Talk Recorded live. Hi, everybody. It's July 23rd, 2015, and it's time for my private audio call. Tonight, our special guest speaker is, wait for it, fanfare, da-da-da-da, Steve from Orlando, who is the expert on property taxes. Hi, Steve. Hi, Angela. I'm so glad you came on tonight. We've been hoping and praying and <laughs> that you would come on eventually, and here you are, see? Well, yeah, you know, I'm just a, an active guy, man, you know, so I always do things, got places to go, people to see, things to do, and, yeah, sometimes Thursday night, you know, can be pretty tough, so it's yeah. not like there are maybe you, on a Wednesday, you know. You, you listen to, what's his name over there? Uh, what is his name on Thursday nights? Oh, um, Randy Kelton, isn't that okay. it? Yeah, usually if I'm hanging out here or something, I'll pop that up, you know, and listen to him while I'm doing around here. But, uh, yeah. yeah he's, got a, he's got a good call or show. Oh, well, I like Randy, you know. I like Randy, so. Yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're floating in and out, so try to be real close to your mic, okay? Yes, ma'am. Is that better? Yes, thank you. And the crackling seems to have gone away, so... Uh, why don't you tell everybody how you got started doing this and, and what led to what and how many successes they've been and all like that. And then we'll have some questions, all right? Okay. And those of you that want to ask questions, press star 8 to put, and that'll put you in the queue. And uh, okay, Steve, let's uh, get it on. Well, gee, well, exactly where do I need to go here? Um, just an average everyday guy, you know, and uh knew something was wrong. Nothing made any sense, it seemed. You know, as you went to school, you're taught you had all these rights and all that neat stuff. And when you're 13, 14, 15, things like that, riding the mini bike down the street to go to the Orange Grove and ride around it, and the cops are messing with you because you don't have blinkers and lights and a license, you know. And I just thought, how could this be possible, you know? But anyhow, I remember going on along, and just this time, just, I'm just one of those kind of guys that uh, just wants to know what's going on, you know. I mean, I'll, I, I'll take a can opener apart just to see how it works, you know, and hopefully I can put it back together and it still works. If I've been able to do that, that's a good thing. Anyhow, I just knew something was really wrong, and uh, the traffic stuff, of course, the licensing things got into that there about the mid-90s or so, playing around with that a little bit, and uh, and then I guess, well, just to make the nutshell version go, uh, eventually the property tax thing, of course, we all know that everyone hates that doesn't, and doesn't understand it's what I think, and that's why we're having this problem with it. Um, I had a woman that I lived around the corner from, he was telling me is one day, back in early 2000s, he have to sell her house, uh, uh, her husband had died years earlier and all and and so she said she just had to sell it because she couldn't afford to stay there and i was like why not it's bought and paid off like that is electric bill and cable and telephone right it's like oh it's the property taxes it's like five thousand lakefront you know house around the corner and i thought to myself that doesn't make any sense man that you know why would this woman have to be paying a tax and why would this woman who's lived in this house for her most of her adult life with her husband and raised a family there have to be moving or leaving because she can't afford to pay the property taxes so right away you started looking into this a little bit and doing what you can. And luckily by, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s, that area, you had, uh, you know, um, access to the Internet. So you could actually, you know, get statutes and things and start looking through this stuff, which that's what we started doing. And uh, just ended up with a lot of questions, man, instead of answers. You're thinking, well, you're going to read this and figure this out of how they can do this. And uh, it's, the code just wasn't working with what they were doing to, uh, let's say, your a person's home. Um, I can't find anything that shows that you would have to owe a tax in order to own a, own property because your constitution makes it clear you have the right to own property, right? 
I need a right. Right. So, we and we we're, jurisprudence makes it pretty clearly too that rights can't be taxed. So if you know that it's a right to own the property, you just can't be taxed because you own it. Same thing with the travel issue. I mean, we all the issues you guys talk about are all right there pretty much. But the key is how to stop it. Well, there are ways to do it. You know, there are people that aren't on, let's say, the tax roll, and you got to go, okay, why? How how did they get there, and, and what did they do? And Usually you just find out the rich people with lawyers who really understand how the tax code works. That's what it's all about. You've got to understand how your state tax code works, man, whether you like it or not. You've got to understand it well and be able to litigate it and talk about it in an educated fashion with people. You know, you've got to make the point, well, it's statute one, not us, says this, and therefore how do you get to this statute then and make this point if this, you can't get this statute to work? That's the way you're going to pin these guys down, man, and it works. And it's code pleading whether you like it or not. So... um all right now, read the tax code. But I don't know where 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 exactly you want to go with this. I mean, where where do we want to? Well, you know, what did you find out? You read the tax code, and what did well, you discover? Well, look, my my favorite part was the assessment process under uh, here in Florida, I think one ninety three dot oh one one, which is the just value process. And the neat thing was the information that has to be on the form was very interesting. In order to do the assessment according to the Florida statutes, there has to be the name of the business, there has to be the location, and then there has to be how much uh, income was created from the property, and net proceeds sales from the property. So right away, it's like, well, hold on. Okay, so how do they make an assessment for my house here, where nothing goes on here? The only business that happens here is monkey business here, okay? But there's no license fees. There's nothing here to go on. So after years of reading the tax code, trying to figure this out, I, I, was, I was basically coming up with blanks. I couldn't find the process that shows how they do it to technically a non-commercial piece property, because the state constitution... I don't know, the hundreds of tax cases I read, you know, all made it pretty clear that taxation is something that's done to to property used in commerce. It's being used to produce income through streams of income, all that neat language you see in the revenue code. And uh, so right away, there's a problem then. How is this possible to occur on just a regular everyday man's quarter acre with a three-bedroom house with a swimming pool and a two-car garage? How is this possible to have an avalorum tax now? Go read up. Go look at the definition of Avalorum tax. Matter of fact, let me see if I made a button note. I tried to make a few pages of notes, and it turned into 30 pages. So I find myself having to scroll all over the place to find the definitions and all the little things that I thought we might like to talk about. But let me let's go, I'll just go in the order of the notes here a little bit. It's pretty well laid out. Okay. Um, well, what does Ad Valorum mean for those of well, us? Well, the nutshell version, I was basically using the Black's Law 6th uh, edition because it's the early 90s, so it's modern times here. Made it pretty clear that it's a, a, art, a property on an article of commerce. Yeah, art, see, that's why I need to read it. it. Basically, a property used in commerce. That's pretty much the basic definition of what an avalorum tax is. And that's a, it's in the constitutions and also the legal definitions. And um, I don't know, here in Florida statutes, the definition of avalanche taxes says it's the same as a property tax. So that's the only definition they give in the Florida statutes, which is okay. I like that because that's what they call it, a property tax. But really the, what it boils down to, from my just a nutshell version, is is what they're really doing is just basically falsifying records. Okay? They're not converting your property. They're, they're just basically falsifying the records, and they're getting away with it because American people are stupid. They've got no idea what taxation is. They're not taught. And that's why they don't teach it to you. How come we're not taught this? How come, you know, this is really the foundation of our freedom to make sure that everyone pays their taxes to support the wonderful property rights thing, but yet the only way we can support it is we have to steal some homes from people in order to fund the process that protects the rights. It's kind of where it ends up going, you know, which is, of course, an oxymoron, kind of like the old Vietnam adage. In order to 
you know, save this village, we must burn it kind of thing, you know. But really, if you go back to the very beginnings, what really got my attention is when I started reading history and uh, looking at what was going on back in the 1770s. What got the founding fathers so ticked off that they picked up muskets and started shooting redcoats? It sure could have been just over T-tax, which, of course, is the, you know, the modern-day education system's version of what the Revolutionary War was all about, you know, that King George wanted to put a tax on tea, so everyone started shooting each other over that, you know. And that is not the case at all, man. History makes it really clear that not only were they, the British brutal and did lots of crazy things, all you do is read the Constitution, gives you a great idea what they were doing. If you said anything about the king, they just tied you to a tree and gave you 20 lashes. No due process, no hearings, no nothing, right? Uh, soldiers could come and quarter your house and come to your, your farm and just take over pretty much, and the, the, the soldiers are out there eating the chickens and the eggs, and the, the, the captain's living in your house, sleeping in your bedroom, you know, all that stuff. So, and then all of a sudden he just leaves, and you go, hey, what about my stuff? And he goes, it was the king's property. So here, you know, this guy's basic, uh, his whole year of stuff has all been wiped out by the king's soldiers, and now he can't pay his feudal fees to the king for being on the king's property and doing this, uh, this, this function of growing crops or whatever he's doing. So eventually, I guess, obviously, somebody said, hey, we don't need this crap. We don't need this man's taxes. We don't need this man's laws. We can do our own thing here. We could be free people. We could be just sovereigns, just like the king, and own our property, a lowly, with no feudal fees and none of that kind of neat stuff, you know? And they said, wow. So obviously they picked up muskets and started shooting redcoats. And, uh, and of course, the rest is history. We have this country now where we have what is considered a lodial title with perpetuity. That's the only way you can own property in this country according to jurisprudence. So anyone who believes you don't own your property because you got some paper or whatever, then that's not really the way it works. Even the state statutes would make it clear almost. You could have a, a bill of sale or a deed written on toilet paper, and it will stand as long as no one's contesting it, okay, because that's how the law has to work when it comes to exchanging property and selling property. Does that make sense? Yeah. Am I doing okay? Am I going too fast? No, no, I don't think so. I think you're doing just fine. Okay. Um, okay, well, let's, now let's break into the Constitution real quick. Okay, so now they wrote this Constitution, and they have this section there in uh, Article 1, Section 8 area, in, in that area, basically Clause 1 is my favorite, where it tell, pretty much sets up what the limitation of taxation is in this country. And it says... Duties, imposts, and excises. That's it. That's the CITUS. Now, CITUS is defined, and you find it all over the tax code, so it's a very important word that you understand what CITUS is. It's spelled S-I-T-U-S. Now, some people do CITUS. I, I do what I think is the American way. I just look at it exactly the way it's written, and it says CITUS to me. So, anyhow, that's the key word. Your property must have a taxable CITUS in order to come within the scope of an Avalorum property tax. But to get back to the Constitution, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, duties, imposts, and excises. That's the limitation of what government in this country can use to collect taxes. That's it. Okay, so I'm trying to bring this up to a conclusion. I don't want to let it all out of the bag right away, I guess. <laughs> you can do whatever you feel comfortable doing. Well, I don't know. I'm trying to kind of explain how, how it works. Uh, yeah, I think you're doing fine. And we just kind of break into how the tax code reads. That's the neat thing that caught my attention a lot was when you read this stuff, don't so much read it on its face for what it says or what you're seeing, but what's what you're not seeing is the common language. And my favorite is the actual definition of taxpayer. Anytime you look at the definition of taxpayer, do you see anything there that would lead the common everyday man of reasonable intelligence to look at that definition and say, that means me? Yeah. I mean, here in Florida, it's pretty much taxpayer is pretty well defined as a corporation or a legal entity. That's pretty much the definition of the Florida statutes. So I'm thinking, okay, how do I become a taxpayer? You know, how does that work? You know, um, it's voluntary, right? Well, and it's, I think it's 
ignorance, technically, but uh, to me, you really can't volunteer for it if it doesn't touch you. It's like a man volunteering to have a baby, okay? He can volunteer all he wants, but he ain't going to have no baby, right? Right. So, to me, it's almost the exact same process here. You know, you, you can't just be a taxpayer because you're 17 years old, you got your first job at a Dairy Queen, and now you're filling out W-2 and 1040 forms. I'm looking at the tax code. I can't find anything there that would make me believe that, uh, that that's the process, that that's what it was found for. And then you have to say, okay, if that's if that's the case, then how do they implement that through the history? I mean, uh, like watching an old John Wayne movie, and he hires some guy out in the middle of the prairie to help him drive his herd on, you know, instead of giving him 75 cents a day. What W-2 forms, what what forms was he filling out, and who was he sending them to, you know? So you have to think of it. It was supposed to be that way. It would have had to have been that way from the beginning, right? Right. Property tax. Uh, Jeremiah Johnson, I always thought that was really cool. It was a great movie. You've never seen it, but anyway, Robert Redford. Now he builds this uh, cabin up in the middle of the mountains. Now, who was he paying his abalorum taxes to, you know? And what returns was he filing on this property? So things like that start catching your attention, man. And when you start looking at the tax code and understanding how it worked, why did they fight the revolution? And you need to tell me they turned around and made a tax code that pretty much steals your property out from underneath that you live in in order to support your freedom system. It's impossible for it to work that way. And guess what? It is not written that way at all. And when you read the normal jurisprudence under statutory construction, it makes it perfectly clear that if you're reading this law and you can't understand it, then it ain't law. <laughs> law has to be written in such a manner that the average everyday man, whoever it's supposed to apply to, uh, it knows what he's uh, forbidden or commanded to do, blah, 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 and what the penalty is for it. And if you can't just read that straight up and get it, then there's no way it can apply to you. It's kind of void for vagueness in a sense, but really it's not because as far as the tax code goes, I don't believe it applies to the average everyday man who's just born here, gets a job. I live in a right-to-work state, so I happen to be an income tax because I'm exercising my right to have a job and have money for happiness and enjoyment and all that neat constitutional stuff. And then... Uh, then turn around and buy a piece of property so my woman and I have some place to sleep at, you know, and uh, all of a sudden now I owe this commercial tax to the idiots downtown who are then going to threaten me that if I don't pay this tax, I might lose my property. And I'm like, wow, that's pretty interesting, don't you think? Is that fair tactic? The- yeah. I mean, once again, is that how the, the people of the land free home of the brave? Who enacted those laws? I mean, it just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And the tax code, if you put it into context with the uh, once again, your right to own property. You just can't have the right to own property as long as you pay the taxes on it. And that appears to be what they think downtown, though. And when you start putting them on the dime, asking them questions based on the tax code of how they get to where they go, they have no answers. No answers at all. Ask for the assessment under the statute and all, which is – but really, I'll tell you, first, I've had people do this. I guess they heard that thing I did with, uh, you know, Rob and uh, or Bo and Bronco thing, you know. And uh, mm-hmm. so people go, hey, man, uh, they email me, go, hey, I, I – I did public records, like you said, and guess what? They didn't answer me. Now what do I do? You know, it's like a little gee shouldn't you kind of have that all figured out before you started filing the public records request? So uh, anyhow, I suggest that you sit down and just start trying to make the tax code work because you've got to do that if you want to sue them as far as like a civil rights violation because that's really what it is. That is truly a color of law action. It's an abusive process. They're taking a code and using it for a function that it was not meant to accomplish, okay? And that equals a color of law action, which makes it prime for 42-1983. Say that again, 42-1983. That's a lawsuit. Yes. yes, ma'am. That's it, ma'am. Okay, go on. The civil cause of action for a civil liberty suit or civil rights. And if you read, the, this makes it clear that for any, any violation under color of a rules, regulation, statutes, you know, it goes through the list of some things that, you know, that most governmental entities are, are the key is they're just not being trained properly. And I believe it's been done on purpose, you know. 
I mean, look at all the money they're bringing in. You, know, you probably figure if here's what I basically made the point was here in the county, according to my property appraisers, like some 560 entries on their the, uh, the county tax roll. And the way I look at it, probably over 450 of them are probably false. They're people's homes. They're not commercial property. And that's the only property that could be on the tax roll. That's the whole ideology behind the tax code is commerce, not the average everyday man who just owns a home because he needs some place to sleep. That's a right. And that's what the homestead exemption, that's another nice thing in mind, the homestead exemption issue. That is exact, that's for a taxpayer. See, here, let me, let me go back here real first before I get to there. Um, back in the day when the tax code was really being formulated well, probably 80% of Americans were business owners, okay? They, they were farmers, ranchers, lumber mills, whatever, maybe uh, uh, owned hardware stores in the towns and things like that. And the key was back in those days, most people lived on the property that they, uh, that they had their business, that they grew their crops on and did the do for their commercial farming part of it. So in order for the tax code to work within the scope of the Constitution, they had to put the homestead exemption thing up here so where they made sure that the part you were living in wasn't taxable because it's a right, so they can't tax it. You know, that's, that's what the whole homestead exemption thing is all about, is if you live on the property that you have the business on, you can file an application for homestead exemption. And that's what that's for. But they got the average everyday guy just filing it, you know, because he thinks it gives him a break on his taxes because he's declaring it as a permanent residence, which by even tax statute definition, you don't even have a permanent residence. Now, here's what that leads me into something else. I know I'm getting scattered around here, but uh, I wanted to break into the point of the homestead exemption issue, how it works with the uh, exemption stuff. The You're doing tax. great, so just keep going. How Goods and personal effects and permanent residence. According to the state constitution here in Florida, under Article 7, 6A, I think 4B, those are the, the one is the permanent residence, uh, making it clear that permanent residence, the owner's exempt from all taxation they're on. Now, you have to remember the tax section is only going to apply to taxpayers, but here's the key. They make it clear that taxpayers, household goods and personal effects, which is defined in the Ford Administrative Code 12D007, I think something like that, is that household goods is defined as food, clothing, and shelter. It makes it clear that it's the stuff that's not being used in any rental dwellings and all that kind of stuff, okay? So they make it clear that if you're a taxpayer, your household goods and personal effects and your permanent residence will be exempt from all taxation they're on. So then the key question I came back with, Matt, was if, if that's the case, then how do I, the non-taxpayer, how does all the stuff that I would normally have that would be exempt if I was a taxpayer get on the tax roll? And uh, my property got taken off the tax roll when that little conversation came up, so... I wow, that's amazing. I didn't have to have an educated conversation. <laughs> you don't go, you're taxing my right, my private property. And actually, it's another thing, too. You've got to get away from the word private property. Because really, it gets down to it, probably 90% of the actual real legal taxable property in the state is private property. McDonald's is private property, okay? Um, 7-Eleven, strip malls, that is private property. So the key is non-commercial property. So if you want to do a quiet title action to play that little game, you need to make sure this declared as non-commercial, not so much private. They don't care if it's declared private or not. That has nothing to do with the tax function. The key is they're just falsifying the records, and they're getting away with it because American people are stupid. They have no idea what taxation is. They have no clue how the court systems work. They have no idea how their government works on paper, and uh, that's why it's messed up. And those same people work in government. They're the ones downtown property appraisers office who ain't reading the tax code. They're not reading the administrative code procedures of how to levy the taxes and how they have to do the returns. They're just doing what they're being told by their bosses. They just got in there and go, oh, if you do this, do this, and then boom, sign it. Well, you're the appraiser, right? And that's all. That's, that's exactly what's going on. 
And when you really hit these guys up with code, the way it's written, with, with the definitions and the way they work, and the tons of case law that I found, especially in Florida, which was another problem I had when I was uh, doing my research, I could not find any cases where Joe homeowner, for lack of a better word, versus the tax collector. They'll sit here and create a deed on a man's home without a day in court and sell it, supposedly, to some idiots who think they're buying some property with a tax deed. That's illegal to take as long, man. There's case law as long as my street that says you've got to own it to sell it. And when you start looking through the tax code under the tax deed foreclosure process, third question on the tax deed application is when did the county obtain title of the property? They never did. They just created the deed and sold it. Then the idiot tax deed recipient has to go bang on your door to get you to leave so they can take the house that they bought sight unseen, no keys, no nothing. Now, when was the last time you heard a realtor or some private owner sell a house like that? Here, here's the deed you own. You're going to have to go to court and get them guys out of there, okay? But it's yours. I sold it to you. Here's the paper. And these tax deeds can run out file them in the public records, which is a nice little bonus for the federal case on it, uttering false documents and conversion. And they did it on property the county didn't own. So it's really – what they're doing just doesn't fit the code. And all i got to really say to everybody is you've got to read the code. We have a wonderful system of law. Court rules are wonderful. Uh, rules of evidence. And we have wonderful jurisprudence that you can slam up these guys wherever and get them to do what they got to do. And it works because we've had to do it here. So. You know, that's interesting that you say that because that's what a lot of us believe is that it's – not for us, it's to keep them in line. So that's what I, you use it for. Well, I believe, well, I believe I heard uh, Benjamin Franklin, I think some woman walked up to him after they signed something, and he goes, oh, what kind of government did you give us? He says, well, a republic, if you can keep it. Made it clear that everybody would have to be fairly deemed in the law, which makes perfect sense. It's like buying a car and not getting the owner's manual to it and want to know why you can't get the windows to roll down. You know what I mean? And we've got a bunch of people not only walking the street with no idea what's going on, but we have most of the people working in government that have no idea what their codes, what the statutes, how they read. They're not taught the stuff. How would they get taught it? We're not taught it. So how would they know it? You think just because they work down there, they really know what they're doing? Or, I mean, you can think they're corrupt if you want. I see just more ignorance than negligence, okay? Just doing what they see everybody else do at the office, right? Well, the higher-ups know. I, well, that's why when you start popping it up in the federal court and working it based on the legal issues and have all the elements showed that they're falsifying, misclassifying property, creating false securities, fictitious obligations with their tax certificates and things where they're getting 18% interest, isn't that neat? If I could just create out of phony, out of thin air, just a bunch of uh, you know, certificates and get people to pay me a bunch of money for them, that's securities fraud. And they do it all the time, and nobody even brings it up or hits them with it. You know? They just kind of like, that, oh, well, government function. I think a lot of people think it's useless. You know, we've been born and raised to believe that you can't fight City Hall. In a way, it's true because they're so corrupted. But, you know, you have to try, right? Well, I don't know if it's that corrupted. I mean, I mean, I'm, oh, don't get me wrong. There's no doubt that the system's corrupt. But when you push the system at them and you're writing your paperwork the way it should, needs to be written, which you follow the litigation manuals, they're excellent. All the stuff is there. You just have to get it together and, uh, and, and read it. And you have access to the legal encyclopedias, whether it's American jurisprudence or corpus juris or condom. Just go read local and state taxation in American jurisprudence. And tell me if this process applies to the place that you're eat, sleeping, pooping, and screwing at, okay? This is nothing but, you know, monkey business. Like I said, there's no way there can be a tax for that. And it, 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 there isn't. It, the tax code doesn't even mention that. And like I was saying with the definitions earlier, if taxpayer was really meant to apply to everybody, how come the definition doesn't say the people or 
you know, living, breathing, carbon-based human beings walking the soil or something, you know, to where the average man could read it and go, okay, that means they're, they're definitely talking about me. You're not walking away with any type of a, you know, doubt or a scratch in your head of that little term, individual corporations, limited liability company, groups of trust, and all those other crap. You know, how can it all be grouped together? It doesn't work. And when you start understanding how statutory construction and definitions have to be done, as you read, like, case law and statutory construction manuals, it's clear that uh, they're right on the money. They're talking about what they're allowed to deal with. And the individual is going to be the guy that's required to pay the tax that works for one of those corporations. And that's how the definition is set up for who the person the taxpayer is going to be. And it's in the tax code. I forget which one it is when I get back to my notes here, which I'll go back to. The definition of the Internal Revenue Code under the crime section, where it defines exactly who the person is that has to be prosecuted for not paying the tax. And it makes it clear that it's an employee of a corporation who had a duty under this act to, you know, do the do. So the tax code really reads pretty well. And you keep it simple. Don't get overcomplicated into it. Because if you ask me, if you can't get past the taxpayer definitions, no need to argue anything else. I mean, you know, like I said, if, uh, you know, it's pretty obvious there, I guess. You know, my aunt was my aunt. You know, she, if, my, if my aunt had balls, she wouldn't be my aunt, right? So you kind of got to go there with a little common sense, you know, no matter how crude that might work. But that's the way it works. Let me see what I don't believe I don't have that definition in my notes here. So help me out here, Angela. How am I doing? Oh, I think you're doing great. You're going a little fast, you know, slow it up a little bit maybe because people have to follow along. <laughs> They can go ahead and play it back if they have to, huh? Well, that's true. It's being recorded, so we've got it for posterity. We also have uh, the link to the audio you as it did with Bo and Rocco. Yeah, yeah, that's where I kind of pretty much tried to just lay out how I interpreted how the tax would look and backed it with what little bit of why well, I have lots of case law. I just didn't want to sit there and read case law all night long on it. But, uh, Why don't you tell us about how you helped um, some people get their houses off the tax rolls. Yeah. Have you run into anything, you know, any variations of what you already told us? I mean, that might have, you know, I don't know. I'm in California. Everything is screwed up here, so I don't know. Every case couldn't be the same, or was it? Has it been? No, they're all never the same, you know, but uh, there's a few cases where, uh, Actually, so far, what's been done has just been done almost administratively. You just went in and had a little chit-chat with the property appraiser and asked him how he believes your property fits on the assessment roll, how it comes within the scope of the definitions and the type of property the sit is. The statutes 193.052 here is the assessment process where it says all property shall be assessed according to its sit as follows. Now, like we were talking about sit-is, when you look up the definition of sit which I thought I had here and then I started there. We, no, no, no. The citus basically means a location of the business. That's pretty much what the citus is defined as. And the law dictionary is roughly the Black's Law, uh, Bouvier's. Um, I can't believe I'm so fluttered here on the notes thing. I think I'm scared and nervous. Well, take a deep breath, relax. There's no need to be scared or nervous. You know, everybody's pretty cool. Um, um. Did I see that 28-page little thing that I did? I think you have that, don't you? That might be something you might like to pass out to everybody. That's sort of what I'm looking at in some of my notes here. Uh, you sent me something. I didn't put it up. I should have put it up. I'll put it up later. Okay. Why don't you tell us about it? Um, what does it de- What does it tell us? Does it 
uh, speak of your case examples of some of your successes or what? Here we are. We have a citizen here. Location out of Black Swall Stick is defined as location, a place of crime or business. You're floating in and out a little bit, Steve. Are you moving around or something? Or? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. You got anything in front of the phone or something? Uh, not my mouth. <laughs> well, get it right up into the mic so it doesn't float around. Okay. Is it okay now? Yeah, I think so. All right. Anyhow, Citus was defined in Black's Law 6 edition as just a location or place of a business, uh, which determines by whether the taxing state has sufficient contact with the personal property sought to be taxed. And then the word business Citus is, of course, one who, for tax purposes, has carried on business. Um, on the tax statement that they send to people here in my county, it actually says this address. So I was able to use that showing the falsification of the of the cla- or the classification of the property. And uh, the citizen is defined to also by the case law that the citizen must that there must be a taxable citizen. I think it's the Frick versus Pennsylvania. The Ohio tax case has really set up real well what an Avalon tax is. It's basically a property of tax on property that's used in the calling or occupation. Um, I guess, like I said, you've got to understand what taxation is. It's really the big key to really being able to have a conversation with these people. And You can't have a generic. You've got to really be based in the code of what the definitions talk about and the actual uh, um, sections of, of the things they have to do, like the paperwork they have to have and the returns they have to file. I mean, there has to be returns filed by the so-called taxpayer before they can even create the assessment. So I have a real problem with how they're able to come up with assessments on people's homes. And... Uh, when you started asking questions, using my public records request was the only thing we could come up with to use, and we were like, hey, where is the assessment for this property? And B, where is the statute you're using to create an assessment on this property? And we never got any answers on any of that stuff. Um, I guess about, it's been about five years now, there was a guy around the corner that they sold the tax deed on his house. And they went through the routine, eventually ended up getting this phony writ of possession to basically come and uh, ransack the house and loot it and kill his pets. Then they arrest him for trespassing on the property, claiming he didn't own it no more. <laughs> so we ended up going to federal court with that one and, and got the property back. And, uh, it ain't on the tax rolls no more either, you know. Wow. Do you want to take some questions? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's take first up here. We've got Illinois. Been waiting a while. Go ahead, Illinois. Did you have a question for our guest speaker? Oh, Illinois, you've been unmuted. Perhaps you have Hi, unmuted. Angela. There Angela. You go. Hi. Sorry. Yeah. I uh, apologize. I had a backup mute on my phone just in case. Yeah, I didn't want to like usually... further fart. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. <laughs> go ahead. Uh, good evening, Angela. This is Greg in Chicago. You might remember Hi. me from days. Hi, Greg. Um. The question I had was, could you please address for the group the definition of residential as a commercial term as part of why everybody falls into the fly trap of being liable for property taxes? Because private property and residential property are not identical. And I think that you've done enough homework on this that you could probably expound on that pretty nicely for the group. Would you please? Okay, you just want to kind of know what residential means in the tax code? Is that kind of what you're asking? No, I want you to explain to folks, if you can, if you're allowed to, 
if you're not under some binding agreement that doesn't let you, to tell everybody the difference between private property and residential property in terms of most statutes and codes? Well, according to the tax code, residential has that classification usually when it's being built. Uh, and, and it usually applies mainly to apartment complexes and uh, uh, maybe mm-hmm. condominiums sometimes. But uh, that's how it's referred to in the tax code. In other words, let's put it this way. You don't have residential property in accordance with the tax code if that's where you're going. You just don't have the land you have a house right, on, right? Right. Well, I'm saying, right. In other words, to me and my research, residential implies a landlord-tenant relationship, that there's a transitory participant involved that comes and goes because that's the definition of resident residential. Um, a resident at a hospital is a doctor who just graduated medical school who's hanging out there for a while and then he leaves. That's the only current definition of resident and a resident that I find is appropriate to the actual definition of the term. And when we agree, when we confess that we are residents and our property is residential, I believe that we're implying a tenant and landlord relationship. And when the landlord does not appear, the county steps in and holds it as in abeyance. And so there's a presumption that there's somebody that ought to be getting paid for the use of the land. And the county is more than happy to step in and apply themselves as the placeholder. What do you think about that? Well, um, I don't think much about that. Uh, I just take the attitude that I own my property, I'm the king, and if anyone screws with it, then you just go after them for it, that's all. Um, I have a piece of paper with my name on it, I own it, so that's all I need. No one else owns my property. Um, Just I don't care what they want to call it in their records. That's the way it works. Well, sure. I know, but, you know, we are living in, you know, post-Civil War, Lieber Code, you know, constraints. Well, once again, I try not not to get too filtered up in that stuff. You know, I've heard all the uh, whatever you want to call it, but I just don't go there, man. I just I go straight at it as though I am the king, I am the sovereign. They're my servants. They're violating my law, and I go after them for it. Well, the last thing that you want to do is use the word sovereign because I just got done fighting a six-month battle in the capital of Illinois on my with my daughter, who they accused of having some sovereign ties to something, and they totally destroyed her life for six months. So, you know what? That's not a word you want to use. You want to well, be a little bit more humble than that. Well, according to my state constitution, it says clearly I am one of the sovereign people. So, when I go to court, I let them know I am one right. of the sovereign people. Yes, I know. But what I'm trying to say is let's come up with a better nomenclature. All right? Because when you use that, you're setting off fire alarms. Why set off <laughs> fire alarms? Let's, let's come up with things that are easier to swallow for the powers that be. And, you know, these are... And as I've always said, and I don't want to monopolize the call, and I'm going to finish this phrase, and I will hang up. Or I will hang up, but I'll just shut up. And that is, everybody who's in the government serving went to the same high schools and colleges we went to, and we all got stuffed with the same bullshit. Sorry for the swearing. And they started out early getting paid for the bullshit. And we've been not doing that. We all became lawyers and doctors and Indian chiefs and and construction folks and other things, musicians. We didn't give a crap about that. 
But they did, and they went and got paid for it right away, starting from high school or college. And so their whole life is invested in supporting what we learned in high school and college. And now they're not willing, as willing as we are, to look at the world in a little bit different way. And so there's a resistance between those who are hired to serve us and those who are being served because there's the possibility that their whole ecosystem could collapse if we're right and they're wrong. Okay? And I'm trying to just figure out how to get across this this cavern of misunderstanding so that we can all end up in a safe and happy place and not have everybody just, like, shooting at each other and doing horrible things to each other. Okay, I'm done. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Uh, Moving right along, did you have a comment or anything, Steve? Did you want to say something? Uh, That's another reason why I've always waited so long to do these things, you know. Okay, well, makes it interesting. Okay, next up is uh, Donaldson. Go ahead, you've been unmuted. Do you have a question for Steve? Donaldson, unmute your phone, hon. I unmuted you on this end. Donaldson? Yo, Donaldson. <laughs> All right, well, when you come back, uh, put your hand back up and I'll unmute you. I don't know where you went. Maybe I had to go to the bathroom. Next up, Chappie. Hi, Chappie. Nice to see you. Hey, How Steve. are you feeling? Pretty good. How are you doing? Good, thank you. I just want to let everybody know that, you know, there's there's only a couple of people on the planet that I highly respect when it comes to research and development. And Steve and Steve is right there on the top of the list. And when I've studied his work his research and everything that he shared with me, when you look at the regulations I mean when yeah, when you look at the regulations and the statutes like everything else, you got to look at the definitions. And when you see that the the definitions are in your favor, you know, title, personal effects, household, commercial use, ownership, alodio, uh, shelter, uh, home, estate, and everything. When you look at that and you put all the pieces in the uh, in the puzzle together, it's not about I'm the man of the land or I'm a sovereign or any of that that stuff. And, and I'm not criticizing that. But like everything else, there's a time and a place to play a certain tune. And when when they're claiming that you owe a tax, they, they have the burden of proof to show it when you present them breaking their presumptions on all the definitions and how it is really to be applied. And and when you put that together along with with the information that, that Steve has, has done his research and everybody in their states, if you go into your state codes and, and the regulations are, are awesome because they really get explanatory on the whole concept. And when you start using the definition, start learning how you can effectively use the definitions and the law and the constitution like Steve says then then they they cannot overcome you 
In fact, you can go into federal court and basically get a a declaratory judgment. And then along with that, with the CF, the CA, the CAFA report, you know, how how the state collects and uses this money they're collecting, I mean, then that's a double whammy. But I do, I appreciate you, Steve. And and uh, and and uh, hang in, hang in there with some of these questions and everything. Not that they're bad. The, the people believe what they want to believe. They fight the way they want to fight. But you know, when you cut through the fat and you cut through the chase and you get right to the point, you you know, it just the lights come on and it flashes. And I just want to say one thing, and then then I'll shut up. Is that we are starting here in Florida a group that we we we're looking for people who want to get involved in this, who really want to learn. We're not just going to go and do it and pass it out and people screw it up and and step on their tongue and put their foot in their mouth. We want to do do this in, in a proper procedure. And other people in other states that they want to join us, then they're going to have to take the leadership and look into their state, and then we can do a a comparison. But if anybody's interested, get in touch with me. Uh, I'll put my my email in the chat box here in a minute and and say I'm interested in the subject line. And and we'll take, take the time to get back to you. And how you doing there, Charles? Okay, very good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Well, thanks, Chappie. Next up, let's see here. Southeast Wisconsin. Go ahead. Southeast Hello. Wisconsin. Hi. Hi, Angela. Do you have Mark. a question? Hi. Yeah, hi. Yeah, Steve, uh, uh, this is Mark in Wisconsin here. I'm just curious if you could just give me some some information regarding I'm in a mobile home park, so the property is not does not belong to me, but the home does that that it resides on or whatever you want to call it. Um, and I was just wondering, is there I get charged a tax based on the assessment, of course, on the the house itself, but not the property. So, is is there anything that that would give me not as much of an advantage or or statutes that would not apply to me, or would it all be the same? Steve, are you there? I'm here. Oh, did you hear the question? Uh, yeah, I heard the question, man. I'm, I did. I had, to, I had to mute for a second. Okay. I so, uh, <laughs> now, like I was saying before, if there's no commercial action being conducted with that particular trailer, there's no way. That okay, that you're floating it. in and out. I can barely hear you. Are you in the wind or something? No, I have a Got to get right up into your mic. Can't hear you. Okay, I'm talking now. How's it hey, sound? That's better. Better. Okay. Um. Okay. The question of the trailer. Once again, there's no commercial activity there. There's just no no profit making occurring with it. it that's the only way it can be taxed. Okay. Still come duties imposed and all that neat stuff that's in the federal constitution and and they have a taxable citizen and really the taxable citizen is declared by the state legislature where they declare what properties can be considered taxable property that's why you see the exemption stuff like churches and you know literary and scientific and all that kind of stuff because it's educational and i go so they the states usually exclude that from that particular phase of taxation they have a long taxes which is another way you have to look at this too uh, 
it's funny here. You got a church or something's bringing in who knows how many hundreds of thousands of dollars in donations, but yet your home is taxable, though. You know what I mean? Like I said, when you just start putting the common sense with what you're seeing with tax code, it just doesn't seem to apply to the property the way you're using it. And that's what it's all about, the use of the property. That defines whether or not it holds a taxable citizen within the state or not. You have the property as a matter of right for private use. The same way they can't tax your electric razor, they can't tax your CD collections, you know what I mean? You know, they, right. It's all considered personal, private property. There's no commercial nexus with it. That's what taxation is all about, man. That's why you've got to understand what taxation is, man. That's sure. really the key is really understanding what taxation is based in your code, your tax code, so you can have an educated conversation based in the language of the code. So in other words, what what I, I'm sorry to break up, uh, uh, interrupt you, uh, but I was just going to ask you too, uh, what kind of uh, response, if if you were to be uh, an activist, if you want to say that word, uh, based on going out like Chappie's alluding to uh, and being uh, going out there and educating people on the uh, on the whole taxation issue here, uh, have you got any kind of harassment or um, somebody trying to put you know put your lights out or trying to threaten you in any way? I mean, in your own experience, what you what you've been doing in your act being active in the community trying to help people out? Well, I don't. I, um, no, no one's messing with me. But it's not like I'm running around crusading downtown. I mean, uh. I actually like to think I keep a pretty low profile, kind of guerrilla, guerrilla warfare. Every couple of years I come up and I slam them for stealing a car out of someone's carport or, or stealing a home with a tax deed or something, you know. So uh, they don't mess with me. Why would they? All they do yeah. is pay you off to make you go away. That's all you're going to get out of this. You're not going to change the system because some guy files an action. It's going to require more people going after them for this. And then when the risk management people are wondering why they're paying out $500 million in claims every year, they're going to tell these idiots, stop doing this stuff. The sheeple are catching on, you know. So, but right now, nobody sues them for it. I mean, most people I know pay property taxes, da da da, and they don't question it. They just pay it. They don't even question it. They've been so indoctrinated, believing this is just something that we all do to pay our fair share thing, and that's right. kind of where we're at. Today. Just mind control, brainwashed, and dumbed them all down to thinking that you owe a tax because well, you bought some place to sleep at, you know, and put your stuff at, and relax and watch TV, you know, okay. But then when you understand what taxation is, how can that be taxable? According to my state constitution, that's a right for me to own property and have peaceful enjoyment and acquire it and, and sell it and do all these new things I want to do with. So how does the tax come and play with that? And the tax code doesn't go there. It just doesn't. And if it does anything, it makes a point to clearly exclude. Even the Internal Revenue Code has a section that where it makes it clear that if the, the uh, I guess, the appraising collecting officer uh, – if it turns out that the residence of home and all comes in play, they actually have to go to a magistrate and put the evidence showing that they have to take the home to collect all the money that the property they've collected on the business doesn't cover, so they need the home. They actually have to have a magistrate hearing before they can do any seizure of the home. Here in Florida, they will create tax certificates. They'll do a tax deed application and sell a tax deed without a day in court. And the, and the process and the statutes makes it real clear they have to do tax uh, deed foreclosure proceedings. They have to notice the taxpayer. If you're a taxpayer, you're supposed to get 30-day notice before they file a petition to seize the property in the court of general jurisdiction, all that neat language. It's all over the tax code. They never do that. That's a big, fat process violation. They're just creating deeds of property they don't own and selling it. You know, I mean, if you were die, we're doing it in prison in five minutes. You know what I mean? Right, right. No, I agree. And it's just nothing different than the income tax 
on the same basis, and I'm not going to get off track on it, but you, what you're saying is pretty much holds true on, on a lot of other taxation as well. We all just assume under that assumption that because my parents told me and their parents told them before that, and all this information, you know, was passed down, and we just all take it as uh, that it's all factual, and it's really nothing more than a facade. Yeah, all the other monkeys do it, you know, so what's your yeah, problem? Exactly. Yeah, so we all do it. Everybody knows you pay taxes on your property, you know? and if you don't, you lose it. Everybody knows that, right? Right. Yeah. So that's the well, average every day. Me, my best friends are like that, technically. My my family is like that, you know? So, you know, I, like I say, I, I ain't going to change anybody. You know? I, you, I don't care to change anybody, you know? I'm not going to tell you because I like to play the piano. You should play the piano or something, you know what I mean? So why would I tell you you need to know the tax code and you need to stop paying this property tax? When you, do you want to pay it? Knock yourself out. You're a free man. You know, while you're at it, send me some money too, right? Exactly. Yeah, as long as you're handing it out freely. Yeah. Okay, yeah. this reminds me, Chad, reminded me. There's this friend of mine that has a really killer DVD-ROM disc, man, that has all, a bunch of legal uh, litigation manuals, federal manuals, and if you're in Florida, it's got all the pretrial practices manuals for criminal, uh, laws of action manuals. Uh, the Internal Revenue Code, Statutes at Large, a bunch of wonderful books on just, uh, you know, court processes. And it has uh, American Jurisprudence 2D on it, you know. Uh, it's, it's what I can – if it wasn't for that, if I didn't have that basic access to that, I don't think I would know 80% of what I know. you got to have access to the legal jurisprudence so you can understand how you have to put this stuff before the court. And that's where it's at. But if it, somebody was interested in the disc, uh, usually a little donation of about 250 If you want it, get hold of me and uh, – I'll come up with how can we do that. I guess you could email me if you like. If everybody's ready to write down an email address, I'll give you an email address that you could say, hey, I'd like to check out the disc thing. And okay. uh, I'll tell you how to get it. It'd be N-A-S-A-E-L-P, like NASA, Engine Logistics and Processing, at AT&T.net. But the key is the guy was sort of asking earlier about well, what would I read? Maybe okay, that's where is, that, is that att dot net? Yeah, att. Just you know, att. There you go, att. That's how it's done. Okay, right. thanks. So NASA, uh, NASA technically National Aeronautics Space Administration's and Logistics Processing, and uh, or NASA Emerson Lincoln Palmer. <laughs> Great way to remember. Att dot net. Got it. But the key is, is when I read the local and state taxation, that's what really woke me up. I mean, it's like five, six hundred page. You know, when you're reading stuff like that, it's like a paragraph, and you got these three pages of footnotes. Then you know, so it's not as bad of a read as it seems. And you're going, wow, six hundred pages. It's you know probably lucky if you got 150 of actual readable text that you're going to go through. And of course, I always like to look at the case site, see if I can find Florida stuff. And that was very helpful because then I could go Google that. You don't even need to be on verses or fine law no more. You can just go to Google Scholar and pop a case in with all the you know the numbers and things. And I usually find the syllabus for it, you know, and I can read what the process was about, what the tax process were, and how it was being handled, and how the explaining how the process has to work, which I've been able to use in complaints to show that this is the way Florida says the tax process has to work. And well, look what these guys are doing. They're collecting money they don't have authority to collect. That's theft, and uh, they don't have any answers for it. Well, Steve, you take it to the processor in the local, like the local county that you live in. You take it to that tax uh, assessor, and that's where you challenge him on that. Is that what you were saying? 
I would think you would start with where it starts, and from here in Florida, it's the property appraiser. He's got it on the tax roll. That's where it starts. You want to find out how he's able to do that. If you can fill it there, then the rest all goes away. And the tax collector doesn't get it, so you don't send the tax bill if it's not on the assessment roll that the property appraiser creates. How about how about services, Steve? Do you lose? Let's just say you had a fire. Is somebody going to come, or they? You know, or I'm just giving you some scenarios that I, I'm just thinking of. You know, um, police department, which I really don't care about any of that. But I'm just as a, for the audience, I'm just kind of thinking. All right, all the uh, local services. Uh, do you get any of those things? Uh, an ambulance if you had a, a heart attack and somebody had to, you know, come and pick you yeah. up. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't need to drag that question out too far. Yeah. Under their charters, that's why they, that's why the Constitution grants them the uh, privilege to be charter corporation, so they can provide services for the people in the community. That's what the whole ideology of government's for. You can't be excluded from that because you're not paying these people someone else's tax, okay? Okay. All right, that's all I got, Steve. Thank you very much for your answers. Did you like that one? Yeah. Okay. I that's think great. Yeah, and another thing, you look in your charters, man. They're awesome the way they're written, especially the statute that says how they're supposed That's how I know the You're wiggling in and out again. Yeah, I don't know why I wiggle in and out. Usually this thing works really well. Now you're doing better. Oh, well. Um, I guess it's just something that comes and goes, I guess, so we'll just have to deal with again. it. See that? Say again, it just happened. Are you, is your battery running low, maybe? Or? On a full charge, darling. Okay. All right, Southeast Wisconsin, thank you for that. You bet. Thank you, Angela. Okay, we're going to move on. Let's see here. We've got Patriot One. Go ahead, Patriot One. You've been Hi. unmuted. Hi. Thank you, Angela. And, uh, You're welcome. Good to, good, good to hear you, Steve. Always always like uh, hearing you. Um, you've answered most of my questions that I've come up with. I did want to mention the, the gentleman was talking about the, the, the mobile home and on someone else's land, like I have, the their the, their land, uh, the mobile home park, they are the property owner, and they probably won't let him have his trailer on their land without a sticker. So he's kind of stuck there till he gets on his own property. Um, I just wanted to I just wanted to mention that to him because you got to go by the landowner's rules, and that that's one of their rules. Well, you got to play by their rules till you get your own place. Um, and I finally, <clears throat> after several years of listening and reading and listening, but mostly working, I finally got to where I can actually do things. And I'm glad Chappie uh, mentioned uh, he wants to get people together in Florida. I'm on the West Coast. Um, and for your phone, uh, Steve, uh, I had a buddy live by a. Disney World and SeaWorld, and where his house was for about a quarter-mile circle, nothing could get through, I think, but, but, but T-Mobile. Everyone else had a, had a hard time, and that sounds like a, how you're, you're coming in and out, but could be the, the storm going through. I don't know. Um, so with all that blab, would you uh, uh, go through uh, one of your encounters with uh, having a a vehicle towed and actually getting the towing company to uh, pay off a claim, as, yeah, as, as opposed 
as opposed to a government official. And uh, thank you very much. So what you want to hear about the toad, the, toad, the, the code enforcement still in the car story, huh? Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's a good one because it, it, it kind of lets people know what, it's not just the government employees that the cop tells the tow truck guy to steal your truck, which is actually what he's doing. He's, hey, steal that truck. But they put it in different words, and the tow truck guy thinks he's got every right to do it, when actually it's just pirates stealing your stuff. So. That is true. That is true. Uh, yeah, we had an incident here where uh, somebody came, uh, code enforcement had done something on this uh, guy's car, which was a really nice car. I mean, it was a 20-year-old uh, K car, one of those old Dodge, you know, uh, I forget what else they can say. The K car is really what we called it, and that's what it was. Anyhow, code was messing with it. They didn't like the tag he had on it, which who cares, you know, and that's not code's business, up in his carport of his home. And uh, one day he came and took it. We got it on video. Sued him in state court using a replevin, and we just went after the tow company because they were the most vulnerable. Um, and, and did we put them in a position where the city had to protect them, and they couldn't? The city couldn't put nothing on the table to show that they had any authority to tell these idiots to go up there and drag that car out there and take off with it. And within days after they took the car, the tow company had converted title to it. When their statutes makes it clear in the state statutes and even in their city contract that they have to hold on to these things for at least 60 days, notify owners, all that kind of stuff, you know. So we really had them by the yin gang, you might say, and. Uh, they went to the early settlement table. They knew they couldn't sit there in front of a jury and explain where they get their authority. And what I slapped them with was the Orlando Charter here. We have a section in, uh, under Chapter 13, Powers of the City General, Section 64. And it makes it pretty clear here uh, that it is hereby established and determined that it will be full in effect in any and all land and property owned or controlled by the city of Orlando outside, or outside the city of the corporation, and that the ordinances would be in full effect in violations of any said uh, violations on such property, um, can, in other words, you can only violate a city ordinance when you're on city property is basically what it boils down to. But these guys like to come out into the neighborhoods and screw with people out mowing the grass and where they park their cars and then threaten that they're going to steal your car or take your stuff off if you don't you know, do whatever they want you to do with it. And they get away with this all the time, but once again, it's just another color of law action. They're violating your rights under color of ordinances. And if you know how to write the pleadings and get the... Another thing I just had a wonderful book that was my Bible, I should something called like a federal litigation guide for federal attorneys, and it was 600 pages of nothing but how to write this civil liberty suit, you know, under 42, 1983. You know, it's all annotated. It's all case law backed up where the courts have pretty well laid out what the elements have to be, what you got to prove in order to put a case like that together. And with the property tax stuff, it's basically the same thing. You own the property as a matter of right. They have no record that there's any commercial activity going on, like a business uh, license or occupational license or a corporate charter. That's what has to be there before they can even get on the tax rolls. But uh, they, they just, that's why they have to be falsifying the classification of property in order to get the, all these properties on the tax roll. And if you go after them for it, um, state statutes, we have an 817, why I like, and then you have the federal 2071, 2073, which works for state actors for anyone that falsifies or mutilates a record of some kind and for a benefit of another of some kind. And we have the official misconduct uh, statute here in Florida, 836, I think, or 838. Um, statute that, you know, that altering a record for the benefit of another is, this, you know, third-degree felony, you know, and that's what they're doing. And every time we put it on the rack, man, they haven't been able to defend it. They never sat down and showed any statutes in plain language that, hey, you're a taxpayer. They got some language so they, uh, the everyday, everyday man who buys a house or whatever is now a taxpayer and owes this commercial avalanche on tax of the municipal corporation. So it kind of goes back to what I said earlier. Why did the founding fathers pick it up muskets, start shooting redcoats, so we could just let municipalities arm rob people's homes with phony papers? You know, I mean, no, it's not the way it works, and it's not written that way on paper at all. 
and the jurisprudence backs up the tax code of how it has to be implemented. And so it's a great resource to use to prove your color of law action based on the tax code, how they're creating false certificates under this statute, false tax deeds or illegal tax deeds under this statute, and you just lay it all out. And they have to answer you. When you file your complaint, they have to file an answer and show you're all wrong. Here's a statute that says every man, yeah, yeah, you know, it says homes, homes, houses. Well, and once again, the tax code could easily be written and to read that way. Even when you read the criminal statutes, too, they have a, a couple places where right away they make it clear that the individual person is defined as a human being and not a corporation and all those other entities, you know. So they, they can clearly define the, the, the human being in the criminal code, but how come they can't define it in the tax code? How come they can't call it your house? You know, instead it's a single-family dwelling unit. When was the last time you heard anyone say, let's go over, a, you know, Angela's single-family dwelling unit and watch TV? How come they couldn't put the word house in there if this tax code was truly meant to apply the way it was? And then to fall within the scope of the statutory construction elements, it has to be written in plain language to where whoever it applies to can understand exactly what he has to do. That's why when you read the tax code, you don't understand it because it has nothing to do with you, really. It's meant for corporate attorneys who are handling taxes and stuff for corporations. That's what the tax code is written for, not the average everyday man who's just walking down the street and decides to buy a little piece of land. I don't care if it's a 5,000 acres with a 50-bedroom mansion. If all you're doing is eating, sleeping, all that other stuff there, and just living there, there's no way that can be on the tax roll. They only get away with it because the American people don't know what taxation is. They don't understand it for obvious reasons. You know, um, Chappie just left, but for those of you that would like to join in his group, uh, he wanted me to give out his email address on the phone. So let me do that now. It's AmericanLiberties.LLC at gmail.com. Again, that's AmericanLiberties.LLC at gmail.com. It's also typed into the chat, so if you need it later, it's in the transcript of the chat. Okay. And now let me, you know, we've got three more people in line that want to ask you questions, but I wanted to ask you this. Somebody mentioned this on the chat. Is there any way that we could go into the Florida recorder's office and see where your property is no longer on the tax rolls? Or how do, what, I mean, what do you, I mean, is there a record of it or anything? People, you know, want to see it to believe it, I guess. Well, yeah, and I've been asked that before, and, um, Unfortunately, the privacy things where I have an issue there. Mm-hmm. And another issue was uh, even if I showed you 100 properties off the tax rolls, how would that help you understand how to get yours off the tax roll? Well, people want to don't believe it. That's all. That's all. That's why they want to see it. Is there anyone they could see that? I mean, what would it look like if we were to go to the recorder's office and put your address in, and we drew up your your property? What would it say? No longer taxable or zero or how how would it look? Zero, zero. It has all everything's all zeroed out there. Except but it's the there. Yeah, it's there. But it's all zero. I've even met people do that. They rode by the house or something. And go, hey, you know, I was out there washing the truck or something. Hey, is this, uh, that's funny. I was looking through the phone, so it's just the house. Once you own uh, whatever, and it's like it's, but it's not da da da. And so we start a great conversation, and uh, I start explaining to them why it wouldn't be there. It's, it has no commercial status. So how why would it be on the tax roll? That's so cool. All right, let's see here. Okay, Donaldson is back. There you go, Donaldson. Did you have a question for our uh, special guest speaker? Yes, I do, and thank you for unmuting me. You're Angela, I hope you're doing well, and all, I hope you're doing well. 
And do you think about the value of how words play off of each other with regard to government rulemaking? And that's my first question. I have another one. Just two questions. Okay, well, I think that's a quick jurisprudence uh, makes it clear that government can only control what government created, right? So all their codes, rules, regulations only apply to government functions. It has nothing to do with the private everyday man. Never has, never did, and can't. I need more to do. Is there more? Is that okay? Well, you said they don't apply to man, but um, I won't man say created apply. them. I wouldn't say they. I guess my question them. is that do, do do you think about the value of how the words, each word, plays off of the other words, um, and and excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Hello. Uh, okay. Yeah, hello. go ahead. How, how, sorry, no, someone else was trying to over-talk me, not you guys. Sorry. This, so, again, I'll repeat the question. Do you think about the value of how words play off of each other with regard to government rulemaking? I wrote that down because it's important for me to know if you are dependent on their statutes, right, and you're relying on their, their, their language to be valid enough for them to have to stand by, then you must value at least a little bit, how the words, one word plays off of the next word, especially being as how they have specific construction rules when it comes to statutory, you know, uh, construction, you know. So they definitely have to, um, you know, abide by what one word means, you know, and compared to the other word, Okay. And the reason why I'm saying that is, is because in the Barron's Law Dictionary, the fifth edition, um, there's this word called nociter associus, which is Latin, and it's known, it means it is known by its associates. And under this rule of statutory construction, the meaning of a word in a statute is ascertained in light of the meaning of the words with which it is associated. And they give case law, so it's 250 NW 2nd 412, and then 413. So 250 NW 2nd 412 and 413 is the case law, when you can go and look up about that. And then you can also see here that two or more words in a statute, when they're grouped together, are, sorry about this here, when two or more words are in a statute, are grouped together, and ordinarily have a similar meaning but are not equally comprehensive, the general word will be limited and qualified by the specific word. For example, like the justice. So, again, back to my original question, do you think about the value of how the words play and then your claim as it regards the, the validity of their statutes and how they have to abide? Thank you. Well, I, I guess, yeah. I mean, I, I try not to overcomplicate it, you know, and I just read the statute the way it says and uh, let them show me how they're how, how, I guess I really don't really understand how you're going with that question, but I, I try not to uh, complicate this thing or make it overcomplicated. It's actually fairly simple. Uh-huh. Right. But what if they railroad you, and even though you're bringing up that the law that they're trying to, uh, you know, exercise over you? What do you mean railroad you do? You know, just like you could bring up whatever law that they're supposed to abide by and the justice or, you know, the uh, clerk or whatever. They file paperwork, you know, 
out of order and, you know, out of the customary, you know. So I'm just saying they're, they're you know, under the office of, uh, administrative office of the U.S. courts, you know, I mean, that's ultimately one of the last places we can seek, uh, you know, for uh, to exhaust our remedies. You know, the, the, the former judicial counsel, uh, well, I forget the name of it, but, yeah, go seek out the, uh, the administrative offices of the United States courts if you want to finalize your exhaustion. But, yeah, I, I'm just... No, but you know what? They can't railroad you if you know this stuff like, you know, really well, and you can speak up and, and say, no, you know, no, this or that or the other. Am I right, Steve? I mean, yeah. if you know the stuff, if you um, learn it as well as you have, and they say something that's going to throw you under the bus, you can come right back with, well, I'm going to do this if you do that, or you can't do this because I can do this, or whatever, right? Yeah, I mean, it's almost as common sense as me trying to tell you that I'm Jimmy Page from Led Zeppelin. Okay. Right. Not, but, but I think I don't have a voice. I'm not. You're almost 70 years old, and I can't play guitar. So right away, you know, I'm not Jimmy Page, and I'm giving you the, you know, the yin yang, and the other people around you are going to see that. Hey, old, uh, old who? I'm sorry, I forgot your name. You called old Steve on that, huh? He ain't no Jimmy Page, you know. So you just embarrassed me in front of a bunch of people because I couldn't prove I was Jimmy Page, right? Right. There. I, I I muted you out, Donaldson, because there's a lot of noise going on, and. While he was answering, you didn't need to be unmuted. So I should have muted myself. I apologize yeah, for that. Yeah, okay. Now you're <laughs> Sorry unmuted. about that. <laughs> Thank you. Um, yeah, so I, I'm not trying to make it too complicated, and and so I know that maybe one of my niches is for compre- you know the comprehension of the English language, and and I think you have a your your approach seems pretty simplistic. You're trying to you know relate to other indiv- individuals who may or may not have a grasp on you know, legal consideration. You have no, to even learn what it means it. to be legally competent. Saying. Hello? You have to learn it. You know, you oh, can't go you, in there you without You have to learn it. I, I know who I am. Okay. okay. But well. see, the issue, what I'm saying to you guys is that quantum grammar, right, is going to trump the will of the people, which is, oh, that was my second question. Not about quantum, really. But see, I didn't even want to talk about quantum, but I phrased my first question the way I did, so that way I wouldn't have to say quantum grammar at all. Because I was just asking about the value of how each word plays off of the other one. That was a total quantum grammar question, but you guys didn't really get it. So I'm going to go on to my second question. Uh, Oh, crap. Ah, forget it. Oh, come back. Hey, you can you can mute me if you want to, you guys. But uh, ultimately, I just thank you for bringing me on. You know, I do have a lot to offer. I I think, and uh, especially when it comes to like, you know, the issue of language. So, but whatnot. Yeah. Hey, guy. Uh, I really appreciate what you're doing, and and keep keep on coming out. Uh, oh, here's that question. Uh, the people's will. Do you believe that all statutes? And I'm so glad I was able to ask this. That all statutes. Uh, are of the people's will? No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. That statute, there's a problem. They're being misused. The whole system is being misused. It goes back to the statement I said earlier. I believe most Americans are just really ignorant. They have no idea how their government operates on paper. Most people know it from watching TV, the History Channel, and the news, and judge somebody on a CNN program. That's, what, that's all they know about the law. They got no idea what filing a complaint is, how how the court systems work, how to use the motions and the writs, which to me are like tools in a toolbox. 
You know, discovery. Do you need it? Do you need interrogatories? Do you need admissions? Do you need to even do depositions? You need to understand how the court systems work. And don't care what happens in the lower court. Just set the record up for appeal. You'll win it there if you understand how the system works on paper. It's no different than anything else. Like I was saying earlier, if you're sitting on 747 with a Cessna flight manual, you're not going to get that airplane off the ground, are you? You've got to be reading the manuals. You've got to understand how your system, how the court systems work on paper, not the crap people tell you. Don't believe nothing you can't prove yourself in your own research. kind of goes back to a little while ago. If you can't figure out how I got there with all the crap I put out over the years on it, then, like I said, I don't care if I show you 5,000 pieces of property off the tax roll. How is it going to help you go get yours off the tax roll? So that's really where you're at, man, because it is illegal. They are stealing money, and if you frame the issues properly, put it on paper in accordance with the way the procedures are written in clear language and litigation manuals just acquire them all, that's why that disc is a wonderful thing if you really want to learn how to do it. You got to get the, uh, the the owner's manual. You got to get the directions, you know, and figure and understand it to make sure that you're doing it properly. And it's not hard. It's not easy, but it's not difficult. Um, law can't be written in a way that you have to be a 20-year-old scholar in a law library to figure it out. The law has to be written simply because it's it's written by the people. And when you start reading these things, the legislative enactment sections on all the chapters, it makes it clear what they're talking about. You know, if you just read it, it's easy to make it clear that they're not talking about you and me. And actually, when it gets down to it, I don't think 95% of the statutes have any. Uh-oh, where'd you go? Our games. Well, you bought, you, you got, I didn't hear it for, like, what you said. Games, something, or your last sentence got blocked out. Well, tell me where I left off at. It's like your last sentence. I don't remember what my last said sentence. something. I think you ended with games at the end. Uh, I just making a point that you really got to understand how the system works, and you understand how the court systems. Work. It's a, it's it's not difficult, but it's not impossible. That's basically, I think, where I was at, or ended out somewhere. You just have to start reading it. All right. That wonderful system of law. The problem is nobody's using it. Them or us. Nobody's. Everyone's trying to make up their own processes and and create their own things, and that's not the way it works. Right, and overcomplicating. Yeah, well, somewhat, but just not doing it the way the court rule book says to invoke your motions and things under the certain rules. So if it's a, a motion for some dismissal in a criminal case here in Florida, that would be a 3.190, you know, and you have A, B, C, D, F, G, and it goes through all these different elements of why, you know, a case would be dismissed at that stage. And how to use these documents. Notice for adversary hearings, you could do it within 21 days after the arrest. And if the state ain't filed an information within 21 days, you have other motions you can file to get immediate hearings happening. And they don't do them. Then you get to do interlocutory appeals to the Fifth District Court of Appeals to say, hey, rule says if I file this paper, I get this hearing in five days. Does it mean that or what? You know? And you got the court court going, well, yeah, that's what it means. Now I got the lower court here looking like idiots because they denied this guy a procedural due process. Now you go run into federal court and go slap them down for it. They pay you some money to shut you up and make you go away and drop all your charges. Yeah. It's a great process. It's, it works really well if you understand how to use it. And like I said, use the tools. Understand what all the writs are. What a writ of maintenance is as opposed to a prohibition. It's a replevin, it's a garnishment. Motions to dismiss, motions you're, to dismiss. You're cutting out. I don't know why I'm cutting out. I don't either. Actually, Think about it, man. Consider we're going across the country with this little technology. It's amazing it works as well as it does. Yeah, it's true, considering it's Skype. Uh, okay, next up we have uh, Gigi Boss. Hi. Hi, Gigi Boss. You've been unmuted. Oh. Unmute your phone if it's muted. Hello, Gigi Boss. 
I'm trying. Can you hear me? There you go. Oh, we oh, got gotcha. okay. Okay, I didn't know. I, I didn't even do anything. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. okay, Angela. Happy New Year, Angela. I'm glad that you're uh, here still. It's been a long time since I talked to you and uh, listened to your show. Have you had Gene Keating on lately? Oh, I don't know where he is. Oh, wow. Okay. All right. Well, I was listening to your guest. Uh, I don't know his name because I kind of came Steve. in. Steve. Got dropped off. Steve? Steve, yep. Steve. Okay, Steve. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm one of those people that once I uh, launch on to something, I stick with it. I, I study everything that I can. And uh, I started my journey with Jurisdictionary, and from there I advanced you know, into getting everything that I needed to get by looking at law cases from PACER and studying the whole process of how a case can go from one extreme from the beginning to the last part and going to appeals and understanding now that the purpose of me going into any court is to set myself up for appeal and make my record. However, um, in the state courts, um, the process, at least here where I'm at, and I've heard others around the country say the same, doesn't seem to work as fair and cut and dry as what you're saying. Maybe if you're going into a federal court or a higher court, that seems to work better. But um, the state courts just don't, they do what they want to do, um, basically. But my question is, um, on Tuesday, I, uh, I've i been fighting for the last three and a half years on my property, uh, fighting the foreclosure process, and they sold it on Tuesday. And so... <clears throat> The issue I have is that I'm not the owner of the property anymore. They serve me. Um, I know the home, the home is in a trust, but I know that doesn't stop the foreclosure. However, they are still supposed to serve uh, the, the owner of record, which is in the register of deeds. It's in a trust. And it's supposed to serve the trustee. So based on that, our tr- the trustee has a claim against the property. My issue is, is there um, anything that can be done at this point because uh, it's just my assumption right now that it's an invalid sale because of the service process, the service. The service. Uh, Don, it wasn't, no, my the trustee wasn't notified. Stay, stay right in front of your mic there, Gigi, because we're you're floating in and out. Oh, I'm driving too. Can you hear me? Yeah, we can hear you. Go ahead. Okay, well, that was mainly my uh, issue, and I know, Angela, I've been listening to you for a long time, and I know, you know, you say, uh, just do whatever you can to stand in prompt, because once they sell it, it's pretty much a done deal. Um, but I'm just wondering if anyone nope. on the call had an idea. What could That's not necessarily it's a done deal. So as far as foreclosures go, I don't really know. I, uh, I understand the basic concept of it, but... Uh, I know people that do it know much better than I do, and I've never had a dog in that fight, so I don't really know that much. That's the reason why I've always kind of frowned when Angela people ask me to do this. Like, who the hell am I? I mean, just, I've done a couple little cases, and okay, I've read stuff, but you know, I don't look at it as though I've got some 20 years of experience and 40 federal cases under my belt that all settled out of court. You know, then I guess uh, maybe someone wants to talk to me would make sense. You know, so uh, like a Formula One driver who wants to go learn Formula One driving from a guy who's never won a race before. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah, but you've done right. this, and you've won this race a couple times, right? But they were they were easy. I well, mean, I mean, you know, this is where where we learn. This is how we learn. We we got to start somewhere. So uh, we start. I mean, you follow success and and branch off and add to it, right? Well, okay, yeah. I, all I got to say is I just read the books, man. I think we have a wonderful system of law, and the litigation manuals, procedural manuals are awesome. They really lay it out very well. 
and just work within the scope of those things, and you can get the court system to do your thing. I'm sure you'll get some flack. And here's another thing I wanted to make about the federal stuff and the state stuff. I like to just start a state action just to get the record made. That's where I get the evidence to really build up a good federal case and show how the courts are working in concert to pretty much deny a straight-up due process procedure, you know, and then go take it into federal court. And uh, I found the federal courts are pretty good with eating up state actors. And I've seen other people that have worked like IRS, IRS agents where they brought him into state court for violating state law for some of the goofy paperwork he filed under his IRS title thing, you know. And uh, the state made him up. They, you know, they went after them. They didn't put any crap. If, you had, if, your, if your claims were right on the money and they didn't do the process right and what the paper he filed does violate the law of the state, they, they prosecuted him. Gigi, was your house uh, in foreclosure due to unpaid property taxes? No. Uh, oh, okay. No, I, I was just in fighting because I stopped paying. I did the, uh, you know, the, other, just stopped paying and uh, mm-hmm. fighting because of debt collectors and stuff like that. I, I have a good federal case against them, but right now I'm dealing with, you know, this point of where the sheriff might come out and all that kind of stuff. You should read so. Dan Benham's stuff on, on foreclosure. Yeah, that's why stuff. I, I, I really wouldn't want to talk about foreclosure stuff. I haven't yeah. really worked one to know enough about it to tell you where you ought to go with it. But there's a lot of people out there who have great, had great success with beating the stuff. You're on the right. What? You're floating in and out. I can't even hear you. I was, I was uh, the, the caller. I was just telling her she's on the right track. At least she's reading the law, which is yeah. pretty cool. I very rarely yeah. find people reading the law. They want to read other people's websites and things like that. It's like, why are you doing that? That ain't the law. And the law is defined by the courts as being court rules, statutes, case law, and constitution. Those are the four elements of law. If you're not reading that, you're not reading law. Right. That's basically where it's at. And as long as you're reading law, case law, especially you're relating to the issues that you want to play with and getting the information where you can great, write out a great synopsis, just look at it like you're an airplane crash investigator, an airplane crash. And if you know what you're doing, you're going to know a lot of things by just looking at the way the crash lays out, whether the plane broke up in midair or hit the ground, you know, nose first or whatever, you know. And you have to write a report. And that's what you're doing here. You're just going through the tax codes or going through the city charter ordinance stuff and putting it together a nice synopsis of how there's no way this is fitting to apply to me. Therefore, they are violating my rights to my property ownership under color of ordinances or, in this case, tax revenue code. That's really what your issue is that you have to put on the table when you put this thing before a court. And uh, it, it's not impossible. It's not real hard, I don't think. It's just time-consuming. And you're not going to learn this stuff in a day, a week, a night. You're not going to listen to some guy tell it to you one night and then go do it the next day. It don't work that way. It's no different than someone saying, here, play box third piano concerto by tomorrow. Well, if you don't play the piano, you ain't going to be playing box third piano concerto by tomorrow. not possible. It's time to develop the skills and the knowledge and the understanding that you need to be able to perform that piece and do it flawlessly, right? Right. And I look at this writing a court case, the same thing. You've got it so in their face, they can't answer it. And to even try to answer it would make them look worse. And then all you do is motion for mediation. Um, you... uh, Steve, can I ask you a question? Uh, I was looking at a replevin uh, today, you know, Angela, when uh, uh, John Stewart, he gave us the replevin indebtedness information. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I was looking over that today because that was something that I was looking at maybe uh, putting in, but I, I had to find it in the statute here because it is common law still. And you had mentioned that earlier, Steve, and I, um, so I know that a replevin is, the only thing I was concerned about it, 
because I was just going to do like a, a petition to vacate, avoid judgment or something like that. But the replevin, based on how John did it, was a lot, is a lot stronger. And so in a replevin, are, are you basically saying, okay, there's something that was taken from me and I'm, I'm filing something to get it back. Uh, I was wronged in the elements. Of course, I got to meet the elements of it. But is that basically what a replevin action is? Well, yeah, in a sense, but it's limited, though, to pretty much tangible type of personal property. You can't use it for land or money. Okay. So you can use it if, they, you know, someone took your automobile, someone took your tools. And basically it's, a, you know, like a thousand-year-old writ that goes back to where back in the old days, I guess, when ships would unload pallets of stuff on the docks, sometimes people would take pallets that didn't belong to them by maybe mistake, and they could replevin them quickly to get, you know, the stuff back or have them pay for it. But the process works real well in, like I said, cities, counties taking off with stuff they're supposed to take off with. And you can use them for other issues, too. But you can't use it for land. You can't use it for money. That's in the jurisprudence and the uh, procedural processes. Even in Florida, it makes it clear you can't use them for that. There's other processes for that. That's all. So I can't use it for uh, property, real property? No. Not, not, not yet. Not not land and that kind of thing. It's not Or, or money. Those are the two main things. Okay. I think what he was using it for was for uh, the original genuine promissory note to be returned. If they want to take this, then they have to return that, you know, and that's that's basically how he was. Uh, he was yeah, working. well, once again, I would, don't think that would be the proper way to use a replevin. There's this, I'd use a discovery to make them produce it there in, the, in a court case. Subpoenas Dukas Tecum or something, you know. Yeah, well, this is a sale uh, that has taken place. Uh, oh. I'm to get back in court with that. But if there's anybody else out on the phone. You're gone, Gigi. I'm gone. Can't hear you. Okay, I heard you that time. Uh, okay. Am I the only talking. one having this problem, or is everybody else hearing it the way I'm hearing it? Well, I'm, I'm, no. I'm, he's not falling out to me, and so that's okay. why I'm, maybe it's on your end. You're maybe just, it is, yeah, because it's like I can't hear what you guys are saying. You're floating in and out. Wow. <sighs> oh, well, I have to listen to the recording again. Oh, no, okay. here, manufactured like you're saying, it's fading in and out. Okay, so it's not just me. Oh, yeah, I'm Okay, driving. thank you. Yes, okay, yes, okay. All right. Oh, gosh. All right, well, I don't know. Maybe it's the Internet, you know, or maybe it's Skype, or I don't know. Maybe it's TalkShoe. Trouble yeah, hearing right. GG Boss, too. Okay, Sension, thank you. Everybody, same here. Everybody on the chat is saying they're having problems hearing you. Okay. Um, well, I mean, let's. This is really not a uh, foreclosure call. I mean, this is about property taxes. Oh, okay. So um, you should really well, ask, let me ask that him when, this. When, okay. Let me ask him this then. Um, if the servicer slash, well, I say it in this case, debt collector um, has been paying the property taxes, then they do have interest somehow, right? Some interest. Again, I don't know. I don't have. A, I haven't really gone that direction with it, so I really couldn't say yay or nay. Well, I wouldn't want to say yay or nay. I'd have to research that. No. Okay. Yeah, that's not his forte. Okay. I can't know it all, you know. Okay. okay. I'm wondering if I don't know it all, but I'll tell you what I know the way I see it, and that's all I can work with is what I see. You know, so. All right. Thank okay. You, I'll, I'll you Thank you. Thank you. Okay, next up, California. You've been unmuted. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. California, you've been unmuted. 
Hi, I didn't realize that was me. Hi, Dallas. Hi, Angela. Yeah, I am. Uh, the distinctive voice, you know. <laughs> yeah, everyone recognizes my voice. And I guess uh, yeah. all the uh, public employees, when I call them, they know me before I even say my name. I never even I'll say my name. They do. They know me by my voice. I'll bet you know, they do. So, and I, I guess some of your your listeners, too, I guess, in the last call, um, I guess they think I'm some kind of a special agent for the government. So, yeah, oh, whatever. okay. <laughs> that would be interesting, though, wouldn't it? Huh? Uh, but, um, oh. yeah, I just want to say before I ask my question that uh, what Chris Chapman talked about earlier when he explained what he does and how he does it and you know, it's learning the definitions and using whatever – Whatever is needed, whether you go in as a man, you go in with the rules to work against them, whatever, and use what works so that way it works for you. That's all I've ever done for the past 15 years, and it's worked well. And that what Chris said was just right on, and it kind of co- correlates with what your guest speaker, Orlando Steve, was saying too as far as uh, utilizing their rules against them and making them obey their own rules. Yeah, because it's right there in their books. It's just people don't ever read them. That's all. Um, but uh, the question I had regarding, I, and actually, I was gonna, I wasn't gonna listen to the call today because it's property tax and not something I'm really into. But uh, uh, I was gonna get some rest. But I said, yeah, let me listen to what's up. It was interesting from the beginning. And uh, and and uh, one of the uh, people that called in about a manufactured home uh, living in a, a mobile home park. That was really something interesting for me. Uh, a question regarding um, property tax. Um, when property tax is charged on the property, is that charge, Steve, is that charged on real property or is that charged on personal property as well? Well, Avalorum taxes can be done on personal property and the real property of the business. Uh, that's neat, like when you're reading through the assessment process, it even shows like when they're uh, like farmland and stuff, talks about that the non-productive properties should be excluded from the tax roll. Um, I forgot where I was going to go with that, but uh, it's, I, I, it's, is that I'm sorry. a standard uh, across each state, or does each state utilize their own definitions for what they consider personal and real property and how they tax it? Okay, well, the property that they're talking about is property that's being used to, for the taxable privilege. That's all the tax code talks about when it talks about any real property, personal property, intangible property, and I might be missing one. I think there's four of them, but uh, that's all they're talking about. The tax code's got nothing to do with your DVD players and your you know, CD collection and your TVs and your couches and all that stuff. That is not the kind of property that they're talking about. Where it does talk about it in the commercial sense, where it makes it clear that any of those type of household goods that were used in the uh, commercial side of it that are being used for renting the dwelling unit stuff. That's the only time it talks about how there would be a tax on that particular type of property. Well, you so know, the, reason why, the reason why I asked oh, that, that question is because um, five years ago, I, I bought a uh, manufactured home in a mobile home park, in a senior citizen's mobile home park. And that was to take care of my dad because he was gone down the road that uh, eventually, uh, the way he is right now, I'm full-time caregiver for him, so he's catastrophically disabled. And bought this place as is, great deal, almost 1,500 square feet, and, but it had space rent. And about the same rent I was paying for a one-bedroom apartment that we're living in, about 475 square foot one-bedroom apartment upstairs. So I got that, and, uh, and when I got it, I paid all the property taxes and everything else at the county office, and because I paid cash for it, 
I didn't have to go through any any other stuff because they're just straight across. Eventually, they sent the property tax bill for me to the previous owner in a different state where she moved to. She wanted to know why that was happening, so I called up to ask them why they did that. This is in California, in Southern California, and uh, they were telling me that, oh, it must have been a mistake. We'll check in and figure it out, and they had been, with a property tax issue, they had been really screwed up for several years because they were, they were charging her the previous owner's property tax that she bought it from because their names were similar. They never changed their names over. And so it was really screwed up a lot. And uh, so they eventually got it straightened out. But I asked, asked them some questions. And I started, because of that situation, I started reading the state of California uh, codes for uh, manufactured homes and mobile home parks. And it defines it specifically, what's a trailer, what's a manufactured or mobile home, and what's a regular stick-built home. They distinguish between them. And the one thing it says is that a, a stick-built home is real property. It's, it's, a, it's an improvement on real property. A manufactured home is personal property. And they used to put stickers on a license plate on it, but they don't do that anymore. That's not even done here anymore. It hasn't been done for quite a few years. And so I asked the question, if this is personal property, and I asked this of the state tax department, the, the county tax department here where I live, uh, how can they charge property tax on personal property when property taxes in the state of California is only charged on real property and the improvements on that real property? No one there could answer my question. I went through like five or six people until I got to this manager, and he ended up telling me, he said, you know, Dallas, um, we've had a few conversations already, and I'm digging into your thing to get it straightened out, but i got to tell you something. There's a lot of screwy things that goes on in, in here, in this county in this county office, tax office. He said, and this is one of them. And pretty much what they do here is during the summertime, about three months, they convert the owner's real property of the space that the manufactured home is on. They convert it to my property, that space, that land that the manufactured home is on. They put it on my name for three months. So they can charge tax on it because it becomes real property then, and the manufactured home is personal property is an improvement on that real property. And at the end of the three months, then they take it off the rolls as my property, put it back on the original owner's name, so they could send me a property tax bill. They only do it for three months out of the year. Hey, quick question: Is there any uh, commercial activity going on this property? No, it's just a it's a senior citizen's. Mobile home oh. park where senior citizens live, you know, to live out the rest of their days until, you know, until they're they're done. And that's what this is. It's a large, uh, it's almost 400 spaces here. And uh, and it's just, you know, regular homes that people live in. And uh, But that's what I was told by this one guy who got to know me. We, we had a lot of conversations, and I was asking about different statutes. This is about five, about uh, four and a half years ago. and uh, And that's what he told me, what they do. They convert the well, land underneath that we pay space rent on as our land in our name for three months during the summertime. It's on there right now. So they can calculate the property tax on it, and then they take it off our name and uh, put it back on the original owner's name. So that way we you know, continue to pay space rent. Now, I was looking at it uh, to the point of one of the guys who was one of the speakers a few years ago to actually recording it in the county recorder's office during that time period since it's on my name to rewrite the, the, um, the uh, it's not a deed here, it's a, uh, uh, I forget what it's called there, but it's not a deed, it's a title. 
to rewrite the title in the county recorder's office and put it on my name so I don't have to pay space rent. So I'll permanently be on my name and I'll sell it back to the owner. I was thinking about doing that, but I just didn't have the time to, you know, to proceed with it. But uh, but that's what they do here in Southern, in, uh, in California, in the entire state. Well, something sounds fishy there, and I'm sure if you start it's looking into fishy. it, in depth, you'll find fishy. out. That's what I was wondering because they they can't charge property tax on personal property, and this manufactured home that sits on a space rent land that space rent is paying on is considered personal property. It's like my truck. It's like the van we have. It's like the car. It's like, you know, like you said, it's like my VCR. Like I don't have a VCR. Yeah, I got two VCRs, a DVD player, whatever, you know, or TV. It's personal property, and they can my charge your property on that here. According to my research, even your home is considered personal property. That's not commercial right. citizens. But it's improvement on top of the land that you own. Once that again, not tax on the land here in California. That applies to commercial property, not your home. There's nothing I can find that says I have to get a permit from the city or the county to put a new roof on my house or put a swimming pool in, okay? That's not possible and still be in conformity with your rights to own property and have peaceful possession and to exclusion of all others and all that other neat language you read in the case law that describes what property ownership is. So it's just a big fat fraud. Like I said earlier, they're getting away with it because right, it's all this. It's all this. And yeah, I didn't have time to really dig into it more because that other more pressing issues to take care of. But that was one that I figured once I get through a lot of this, then I'm going to go back to it and see what I could do with it to figure it out. And, and if I did that and figure out how to actually keep that on my name and find out, you know, maybe get a letter from the owner saying, well, how did you get that on your name? <laughs> you know, but whatever. But uh, since they're going to put it on my name and charge me a property tax for it, that would be interesting to you know test out. But that's what I found out what they do here in California. Yeah, and I wind them up for mail fraud or extortion through the mail and, and, and misclassifying oh, yeah. the property. Oh, yeah. That would be interesting. So go put it in federal court, and I guarantee you they can't prove there's any laws that allow them to do what they do. They can't even prove you're a taxpayer within the scope of the definition in the tax code. They can't prove you have any real property. Now, once again, I want to hit definitions real quick. Uh, definitions are sort of a tricky thing, but then again, it's not that tricky. Um, Look at the words like cool. If 100 years ago you walked into a barn or something or a stable and said, oh, a cool horse, chances are one of them horse handlers would put his hand on the horse and go, that horse pretty warm, son, you know. And there's no doubt that words have multiple meanings. Today the word can mean something you're infatuated with, and if you use it in a temperature sense like, wow, it sure is cool outside, we all know what everybody's talking about in the common language, right? So mm-hmm. when you're looking at words like this, in, in the real definition you have what is considered to be real property, which is described as just the dirt, the rock, the trees, the ponds, and any structure you just can't put in the car and take off with. That's pretty much what real property is in the common language definition. But when you start looking at the tax code or other property uh, definitions when you're reading through the codes or things, it's not given that, that – it structures the definition in a way that you can understand what they're talking about. And with the tax code, the real property improvements are talking about property that's been improved for the business side. Not about the everyday man who puts a swimming pool in his house. That is not considered a taxable. And like I said, the whole tax thing doesn't work if you just look at the exemption stuff and the humanitarian things and all. You know, I mean, if you put a new roof on your house, let's put it this way. If you're a corporation and you do something like that, you get a tax deduction. If you put a new roof on your house, your taxes go up because they claim the property, your val- the property value went up. So the, it's not even uniform then. It's not even working right because the process they're using doesn't apply to that particular property they're applying it to. That's all it boils down to. And let me ask you one more, one more question. Um, you mentioned uh, earlier that uh, when the tax, because I don't know much about property taxes. Uh, it was something I, I started off with, first time I've owned a, any kind of a house, whatever. 
and uh, and uh, and I just never went back to it. But you mentioned that the, there's a, the county assessor is the one that assesses that what tax goes on that. So he would be the one to talk with regarding that. How that's done. I, that's, according to the way the tax process works here in Florida, that's where it all starts. Is how where it gets on the tax roll. Then it's booted up the tax collector to collect whatever assessments he's created on it. So. You may, to me, you have to start with the head, you know. And that would it be should the be the same way here. It should be the same way okay. here. Okay. So, yeah, I, I, I know who to call and talk to and ask. And uh, okay. so I could see uh, just how they do that during this time time of the year. Okay, great. That was, that was, that was my questions. Thanks, Dallas. And thank you, Angela. Thank you, Steve. Well, here, here's another thought to take real quick. When you start a business around here, usually the tax collector's office or whatever will send you a pamphlet with all the little forms and everything you need. If you need any hearings, uh, you have an issue with the tax assessment, you can uh, uh, do these, you know, how to get a hearing before the adjustment value board bull crap, you know. But when you buy a home, you don't get nothing from them showing them how your taxes are set up and how you would owe this tax and, you know, how they're going to equate it all. You get nothing but just this crap they send you in the mail saying you owe. And that's it. And everyone just pays it. But, uh, so where I'm going with that is if the pro tax process was supposed to apply the way they're applying it, they'd almost have to have taught it to you. They can't just come out of nowhere and claim, oh, yeah, yeah, you owe it. Take our word for it. Yeah. They've been getting away with that all this time because, like the guy was talking earlier, all the other monkeys do it. Daddy paid it. Granddaddy paid it. But back then, granddaddy and daddy didn't have the Internet, okay? If my dad in the 50s and 60s would have had to have gone to the law library and spent 10 hours a day for who knows how long to figure that stuff out back then, you know, because it wasn't taught to you. And that should be another big clue. If this system was for real, they'd be teaching to you. You can't even find it in a TV program. Show me an Andy Griffith where he had to go for clothes on a little old lady because she couldn't pay her property taxes, okay? Right. Yeah. You can't even find it anyway. It's never talked about it. It's like the thing everybody does, but nobody knows how it works. Nobody talks about it. They just pay it. Nobody, it's just talk about mind, uh, mind control, you know, a bunch of babbling idiots, you know, and it's just sad people don't even think to question it. They'll go just go, think it's too high, but they'll never question, where do you get the authority to claim I owe a tax on my home? Nobody even bothers to bring that question up, and they don't have any answers for it. That's the best part of it. Okay. Can we move on? Sure. I thought I'd spat that out. It hit me up when you Well, on. thank you. <laughs> okay, next up is uh, East and North Alabama. Go ahead, you've been unmuted. Hi, Angela, how are you? Fine, thank you. Who's this? Hey, Steve, this is uh, Keith in Alabama. Hi, Keith. Did you have a question for Steve? Yes, uh, uh, I do, and I, I got a comment, too. Uh, anybody in Alabama, when you reach the age of retirement at 65, they may have moved it to 67, you can... Uh, take your driver's license or some kind of government ID down to the tax roll and show them and they will exempt you from state property taxes. Wow. Uh, now, not every state is like that. Alabama happens to be one of those states. Now, I've helped a lot of people that have been, been paying taxes for years and didn't know it. They're not going to tell you. You have to go down there and tell them. <laughs> you know, so there you go. That's... Uh, if you check your uh, state tax, uh, yeah. check your own state, uh, it may be that way in your own state. There's a few state, other states that are like that also. Uh, and I think also uh, uh, if you're handicapped, uh, I think uh, you can get uh, uh, your property tax exempt also. Yeah, wounded now, veterans, uh, yeah. You see, that's only applying to the taxpayers that fit that category. Right. Now, business uh I have uh, uh, family members that live up in uh, Maryland, 
and their tax property tax is like thirteen thousand. And now I would love to dig into their uh, tax uh, laws and see if I can't get them out of that and help them out with their property tax. Uh, you got any suggestions uh, other than just go through the the uh, revenue laws of the state? Well, to me, that's the only thing I found that works. You know, I mean, it's so different. Like I say, you got to put the evidence before the court. As a plaintiff, you have the burden to prove these people are violating you in some fashion. So you pretty much have to, like I say, have an educated conversation based on well many topics. You really need to know not only taxation and the tax code. You need to understand conveyances and uh, deeds. Um, uh, just the court system in general. Uh, it all comes together, but you're going to have to sue them, really. Uh, and maybe if you've got the gifts of cab, you might could do what I've seen a few people do, where they've gone in there and had a nice little meeting with property appraiser, and he's taken it off the tax rolls because he understands you understand that the gig is up. And like the one I had here had been here for 18 years at that time, so I don't think I'm the first person to have this conversation with him, you know. And they usually got sued. You almost have to go sue them. That's the only way you're really going to stop them. I'm not going to give this money up. Once you understand that we don't have a government in this country, the way I see it, all we have is an organized crime syndicate masquerading as government. And they're just doing the same thing the Lucky Lucianis and the Al Capones did. You know, they're using the government process that's beyond the scope of what they're for just to collect a bunch of money. They're not going to give that up just because you filed a suit. Just, they will pay you off, or they will settle with you if you got them in checkmate, so to speak, because they got no other choice. And that's what they do. They've been doing it. You see it all the time. You know, uh, I think a cop had hurt some girl here, and they, you know, right away settle out of court for an undisclosed amount, you know. So that's how they do it. That's cool. That's all you can get. But I believe you can set it up where they'll leave you alone, your property alone, and they'll leave you alone. And that's all you're going to get out of it. But meanwhile, they'll keep policing the neighbor. All you can hope is your neighbor picks up and does what you did, or at least start going after them for it. And I believe we're only going to fix it one house at a time, one street at a time, one neighborhood at a time, and work your way up. And if you can get your county working in accordance with the charters and the statutes and the constitution you don't have to care what obama and all these idiots are doing in washington it won't affect you there that's how you're going to beat this agenda 21 crap and all this stuff and then you get the system working the way it's written on paper these idiots won't be collecting all these trillions of dollars every year government's not supposed to be a multi-trillion dollar business the founding fathers made it clear in the federal papers they didn't want a government so small you could hardly see it okay that's why they limited its taxation to duties imposts and excises but back then no one would knew that the railroads and the steel mills the shipping industries and all these things that went on would make all this money and then of course by dumbing down the population make you think that everyone that walks the street is a taxpayer so as long as they got that going for them they're raking in the big bucks and what's the old saying though the best lady you have is one that thinks he's free and that's kind of where you're at here you got a bunch of ignorant people running around paying money to people with no clue why they pay it okay let's move on dr no you've been unmuted did you have a question dr no you've been unmuted do you have a mute button on your phone perhaps dr no I guess I put Dr. No to sleep. <laughs> One more time. Dr. No, are you there? Calling Dr. No. Okay, well, put your hand up again when you come back or whatever. Wait, I hear you. Are you there? Dr. No. I can hear you breathing. I think he nodded out on you, man. No, well, there's some sound coming from him, but I... Uh, Dr. No, are you there? Dr. No, all right. Well, 
Dr. No, are you there? You've been unmuted. Hello, hello. No? Okay, I, I don't know what's up with that, but uh, you muted yourself back out, Dr. No. Okay. Donaldson, you've been unmuted again. Okay, I'm back again. Carl. I'm trying to... Hi, how are you? In the call, the guy that's uh, the guest tonight, his name is Steve. Is that correct? Yes. Okay, this is Donaldson. I apologize for the noise. In the hold on one sec, you guys. I'm about to uh, get on and just talk and just just hold on five minutes. Okay, sorry about that. Uh, <clears throat> my question is about the Constitution, and you are relying on all of the laws, Steve, right? Of the for them to be you know liable under. And in Article 3, Clause 2, Section 3, we hear the trial of all crimes except in cases of impeachment shall be by jury. Uh, and such trials shall be held in the state where the said crimes shall have been committed, but when not committed within any state. The trial shall be at such place or places as the Congress may by law have directed. Now, what is interesting about that last part is that it alludes to what you said a minute ago about there being no government. If you go and look at Article 3, Clause 2, Section 3, at the latter portion of that, after the conjunction, uh, what you're going to notice is that it actually says, but when the crime is not committed within any state, the trial shall be held at a place or place as the Congress may have deemed law by law directed. Now, the administrative offices of the U.S. courts is exactly what that is. So is it possible that whatever they accuse you of doing is not actually happening in the legislative, the actual du jour state? Yes, it's possible. Because you, you, the evidence is simply this, that these adjudications are actually uh, non-judicial. There you go. Article 3, Clause 2, Section 3. What do you think about that? Well, I think you're reading way too much into that. That's what I think. It's Don't you think you have to have this kind of uh, an analysis, though? You're talking to an audience that has the same kind of intellect that you do, the ability to think. And so my question is, certainly you don't underestimate the, uh, you know, the, the mental demeanor of, our, of your audience, right? Well, no, no. Um, I think my approach is a lot different than most everybody here. I, I don't really use any filtering systems. I just hit it straight up that uh, I'm the man, I'm the king, that's my law, it's not theirs, it's mine, they're not following it, and I just kind of go after them the same way I would some kids that I tell not to cross the street, and I catch them crossing the street, well, I'm going to, you know, do the, do the do on them, right? I just keep it simple. I really don't get caught up in any of the mythology or theory things. You just don't, you just don't have to go there. And the law is not really set up to work off a of theory. It's set, it's set up to work off the essential facts, the basic facts, and short, plain statements, blah, blah, blah. And so I st you have to keep it within the scope of that to get a, a pleading working within the court system. So you can't get too theory, man. You just have to lay out the actual process the way the law is written in its plain language and make it clear that these people aren't following it. And because of that, they're violating these criminal laws in the state and the feds. And it just so happens that it's violating all these neat little rights I have, you know, and just set it up on paper. And it works real well. We have a wonderful system of law. No one's reading it. That's all I can tell. They're just not reading the owner's manuals. They're just not looking at the procedure manuals of how to get that car to run, how to change the oil in it. They just don't have nothing about it. And that's kind of where we're at with our government. I don't think people really understand what taxation is and how your government operates on paper.
Well, yeah, that's because we are raised to, I mean, they automatically tell us, you know, go get a tax preparer or get a tax attorney or a CPA, you know, for those matters. We're not taught how to deal with these things ourselves. It's like it's an automatic, you know. That's been done on purpose by the ruling elites that everyone complains about. They've done a great job at dumbing down the people. I think it was Khrushchev back in the uh, 50s banging a shoe on the table on the podium claiming we'll take you down with your own system, and they did. They gave you TV with all your, you know, this mind-numbing garbage that does nothing to inform you of anything you really need to know. And there's got people enough to put a bunch of minds in mush with a attention span of five seconds if they're lucky. All right, next up, Carl Lentz. Do you know Carl, Steve? Hey, Steve, Carl, Carl, Steve. <laughs> You've been introduced. Mike Gold took this up on a couple of calls years ago. Oh, okay. Call, call. You know how Mike was. He'd get 50 people on one call to answer one question. So <laughs> I think Paul and I ended up on those together. Carl, are you there? Yeah, I sure am. What did he say that we? he's talked to me before? Yeah, well, on Mike's call. Mike Golan. Jack oh, okay. Bauer. Yeah, well, there's a couple of things you said that I think are kind of funny. Uh, okay. first thing, well, the last thing he just said, something about that he's trying to hold them in accordance to the law. Right? Something like that? Something like that, yeah. Okay. What kind of law are they writing? Um, say that again. What kind of law are they what? Yeah. You said law. What kind of law are they writing? What kind of law are they writing? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure. You have to be a little bit more expansive on your okay, question. Okay, let me let, just give you the answer. Okay, it's administrative. Okay, it's administrative law. Okay. Okay. And they're abiding by the administrative law. Well, um, it, it's like Coca-Cola or Pepsi. It's a it's the centralized government, the United States Government's Corporation. Okay, it's all administrative, and they're living up to it perfectly. If you're a member of Coca-Cola or Pepsi. Coca-Cola, Pepsi is going to have an administrative hearing, and they're going to hold you, you know, liable for either doing something, you know, that is against the policy. They're creating policy, not creating law. But if you want to call it law, go ahead and call it law. Okay, and the other thing I heard you saying a little bit before, all I kept hearing you saying was the government, you know, government, government, government is bad, bad, you know, government this, you know, the government is, government is great. I think government is perfect. I think, you know, without government, where would I be? Carl, my darling, did you have a question? Yeah, I asked him a question, a very simple question. What does he believe the government is? Okay. He keeps saying the government. The government's bad. Okay. How's the government bad? I just made the point Mm -hmm. that the people, government ain't following the written procedures is about all I've ever said, I think. Yeah, you didn't say The very simple thing is, okay, Government is great because without government, I couldn't function because 99.999% of my life, I govern, okay? Government is me. Now, you've got to be a little more specific on what government you don't like. You mean you don't like the United States government? Because when people just keep saying the government is bad this, the government's bad that, well, almost 100% of your life, you're self-governing. You determine which way you're going to go. You hardly ever... You're probably more worried about what cup of coffee you're going to have in the morning than what the federal government, the United States government, is doing today to you. So this is what I'm trying to say: is when people say government, you know, the government, the government, I think you're trying to say like the United States government. And the big thing is, they're just servants; they're public servants, and you're the public. 
and you've got to get them to understand that when they try to encroach upon your, you know, upon your property, that they're committing a trespass. Okay, they're there to serve and protect. If they're doing anything other than serve and protect, you just have to make them aware. You you understand your duties and obligations to serve and protect. You know, anything else that you're doing right now is a trespass. I think he does that, Steve. I'm, don't you do that? I think I do it well, yeah. Okay, you said, okay. Like I said, when you were going on saying about the, uh, like, property taxes, like places like Camden, New Jersey, or Detroit, they don't have property taxes anymore. They also don't have services, public services either. They all have to, the community has to provide their own policing, their own uh, firefighting. They have to provide their own protection. They have no more property taxes. So what would your solution be to property taxes if you don't want to pay property taxes and not be like Camden, New Jersey, or Detroit? I have no problem with the property taxes, okay? It's fine what they're supposed to do. They're just not doing it right. They're using it to do things. They're using it to collect money they're not supposed to collect on, okay? That's where that's where it's at. But it's okay. I don't care if they tax the 7-Eleven. That is taxable property. I don't care about the strip malls or office buildings. That is taxable property. When they come to me telling me I owe them a tax on my home, that's impossible. And what, happens question, there's no, what, what happens if there's no businesses in the community that, to do this tax to? What happens if it's just... That's not true, man. When you start looking, I'm just saying. Look, sir. What I'm saying is, if there's only two, three businesses in a community, is this two or three businesses within this community supposed to pay for all of the services for everybody else in the community? I live in very tiny towns. There's a lot of communities that have volunteer fire departments and policing. And uh, everybody gets together and and takes care of the infrastructure. I wish it could be that way here. It's not, but that's a small community. You know, you're talking about Detroit, which is bankrupt. Um, because nobody's paying property taxes. No, that's not why they're bankrupt. They're bankrupt because their congressional people, the whoever was running the government there, stole all the money and didn't put it to what okay, it needed so, to go. So if they if they stole all the money this year, are you why didn't they have money for the next year? Who cares? Because there's Everybody's no there's no there. base, there's no tax to base anymore. The people are moving out. The homes are yeah, being abandoned. The people, the right, the that's people, it. right. There's not enough people to pay for the services anymore. Well, because the politicians stole all the money. There, that okay. Don't they have, uh, Say they stole it. Say they stole it in 2010. Well, yeah, they stole they, them. Okay, what happened in 2011? Now the whole what? the whole location is like going down the tubes. Because there's, there's no there's base nobody tax. living there. There's right. nobody. There's there are people there living there, but they can't afford the taxes that's going to take to provide the public services. This is what I'm trying to say. Somebody's going to have to pay these taxes. I mean, it's, it's okay. It's almost like stealing. If your neighbor's paying property tax and everybody else is paying property taxes and they dial 911 and they get EMT and they get the fire department to show up at their house and you don't pay property tax, isn't that stealing? Property taxes have nothing to do with any of that. Okay. Are you telling me property taxes has nothing to do with the police department, the fire department, has nothing to do with the public services, the, the snowplow removal? Firefighting, it has nothing to do with property taxes don't uh, use for those purposes? Not, not, not in the sense you just made it out to be, no. It's not okay, what do they use property taxes for other than to steal and line their pockets? What else do they use property taxes for? They use it to basically 
set the city up, the roads up, the, the trolley car things. Uh, uh, schools. Yeah, schools. There you go. Yeah, yeah. down the okay. line. Walk okay, so, so, if you use, so, so if everybody else pays their property, if everybody else pays their property taxes but you, and you say you're not going to pay your property taxes because of whatever reason, you don't have kids who go to school anymore, whatever. You're not going to pay property taxes anymore. Well, then if you use any other form of public service, wouldn't that be considered a theft, that you are using something that you did not pay for? Well, maybe if you're not paying the taxes, they won't come out and service your property. They won't pick up the trash. I'm saying you're still going to, have to drive. You know. You're going to still have to drive on that road to town in the snow. You're still going okay. to have to. You can make a private use, contract with them. I've heard you're still going to use those. You're still going to use those stoplights, okay? When there's a crash in the road, the EMT and the fire department are still going to come out and help you. So after they came out and helped you, did you write them a check and say, oh, well, here's $500 because I don't pay my property taxes, but thanks for showing up and doing a good job? Vital is saying here property taxes are mostly dumped into CAFR accounts. See www.cafrs.com. I'm just asking a simple question. Would that not be considered theft of services? Like if you drove in a taxi, you know, you used a motel room and you didn't pay for it. No, it's not the same thing, Carl. This is okay, your then house. How are you, you going to pay it? when a police when the policeman comes to help you on the side of the road? A fire department comes out and puts your car that's out of fire. Not, well, that's not your property taxes paying for that. For the what? The fire department? Okay, what do the fire? Okay, what do your property taxes pay? Schools and stuff like that. There you go, schools. And, and, and maybe the, the fire department. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe the fire department. If you're department. not paying property taxes, you can always arrange some kind of a contract with Okay, them. And, uh, you're on the side of the highway. Your car's on fire. They do that here, down here. It's pretty funny. If if the, if you did not pay your property taxes, then I'm putting your fire out. You know what, Carl? Here in California, if you go hiking up in the mountains and you fall and that helicopter has to come and get you, you know what? Those people get a bill. There's Damn no right they do. They should. For it. Yet there are some. Somebody's paying these people when they go and help people that have legitimately fallen somewhere else That's and right. you know, didn't get themselves in. Well, okay, well, there's some finagling going on with the money. So That's right. it's not going to fly you saying, you know, what if a cop pulls, you know, gets you on the side of their own and, and – Helps you out, you know. That's a yep. different. Whatever he pulls you out of the car, who's going to pay him his salary? You're not paying it. You're not paying taxes. You're not paying a damn dime to anybody. You're keeping all the well, money yourself. And when the cops get sued for killing people, and they pay, and they, and, and and it's you know millions of dollars that is taxpayer money that's paying for these lawsuits that these no it's insurance companies. They're all, they're all the cops. All the cops are insured. All the cops are indemnified. There's not one cop running around out there that's not insured. Okay, so when the state, when the county agrees to pay ten million dollars to somebody's family because the cops accidentally killed their kid, you're telling me that their insurance is going to pay for that. The insurance could have paid for it. Watch this. The insurance company could have paid for it, just like when you get into an accident with your car. Your insurance company could pay for it, but you know your premiums are going to go sky high out of the roof. Like so that, I don't better, think that, that cop you, wouldn't you have bet, a job again if they would have. You better, no, you, the, the county is paying it out of pocket because when they do make a claim to their insurance company, just like you, their rates are going to go sky high. So it's cheaper for them to pull it out of the county coffers than it is to go through the insurance company. Just like you, if you get into a fender bender, is it better for you to just fix your $500 bumper or is it better to make a claim? Because once you make a claim, your insurance next year is going to be $2,000.
instead of one thousand dollars. So you're like, you know what? I'll pay for the accident in my own. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go to yeah. my insurance company on this one. Yeah. That's what people would do. Pay out. Okay, of well all I'm trying to say is all I'm trying to say is look, government you have to specify it in, in embedded terms. You know, you're gonna have to say some centralized government, public employees are doing this and I don't know how to deal with them, so I jump up and down and cry. Okay, and I bitch and moan and groan. Because if 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 there's anybody who's listening who who knows I heard another man asking him a court question. If the state of California was taking you to court, what's the court of original jurisdiction according to the Constitution? Well, oh, it's going to be the court of general jurisdiction where the uh, where the issue arises. That's the way it's written in the state nope. constitution. Nope, absolutely not. When a state okay. is taken, say the state of Virginia where I live, attempts or the Commonwealth of Virginia where I live attempts to file a charge or claim against me, a complaint against me. There's a court of original jurisdiction. See, because this is what drives you people nuts. Because you people keep saying, oh, well, then i got to go to a state court with a state judge and a state clerk and a state prosecutor and a state bailiff. And a... No, that's not the court of original jurisdiction. You just don't know the law. So you wind up going to these stupid state courts instead of going to the court of original jurisdiction in accordance with the Constitution. Because the state, obviously, can't take a man into a state court, obviously. But you guys allow it all the time. Because you don't know the law. Okay. Well, appreciate well, that clarification of those issues there, Carl. What's that? I appreciate the clarification of those issues, man. Oh, yeah, not a problem, man. I'm just trying to keep people from getting in trouble, from jumping up and down and get all excitable. Anytime anybody from a public servant, anytime a public servant starts to give you any crap, just explain to him that he's the public servant and you're the man. Anytime the, government, the state tries to come after you, just say, hey, what's the court of original jurisdiction? You want, to, you want to take me to court? Well, I'm glad to. Just remember to take me to the court of original jurisdiction. And have a nice day, and they'll disappear. It's so simple, this stuff. It's scary. Hmm. All right, okay. Carl. I'll, I'll try. Thank you, Carl. Yeah. that it? No problem, people. Yeah, sure. If you need something else, just give me a holler. Okay, have a good weekend. Oh, can you be, I, I sent you an email. Did you get it? <laughs> I'm so horrible. What What does the email basically say? And I'll let you know. What does it I basically say? To, I, I wanted to schedule you to come on, I think, uh, August, uh, let me look here, I don't know, 20, uh, 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 August, oh no, September 3rd. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'd probably be all right. It's funny because like, I've been kind of busy this week because uh, it's weird. On Sunday, some woman called me up from the maternity ward. She had just given birth. Oh, and some lady listened to, yeah, some woman who listened to my show was there visiting her, and she called me up and she said the social service workers just came into the room and said that the child is now in the custody of the state. Oh, oh my God! Oh my God! Oh no, God. Of, of the of, of the province. Sorry about that. They're in Salt Saint Marie, um, uh, Ontario. So it's so funny that I'm actually getting phone calls from women who just gave birth in maternity ward saying, oh. "How do I get my property back?" That's heavy duty. That's so really I said to them, this is, an this emotional. Is great. Well, what's great is that um, I'll put that phone call on 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 uh, on uh, this talk show thing. Eventually, I'll just upload All it. All right. Yeah. The shows. But what's funny is the. I said, "Oh, this is great. They did it to you on a Sunday afternoon. Oh, great. They're not going to be ready for what we're going to put in on Monday morning." So I said, "Here, get a pen and paper. This is exactly what you're going to put in." So I said, if you have any problems, give me a call. I said, I'll actually send this recording to you, you know, because I record all my phone calls. 
I said, I'll send the recording to you if you need to, you know, if you need a little more clarification. I said, but the stuff I do is so simple, it's ridiculous. Are you going to talk so, about uh, this on your, are you going to have a call on Saturday? Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I'd like to get that woman on to see what happened, you know, because well, usually when good things happen, people don't call me. When bad things happen, I call, it didn't work. Next yeah. thing you know, they call me. So I said to them, I said, what's probably going to happen is when you put this paperwork in, making a claim for your, the return for your property, uh, what's going to happen is I can almost guarantee they're going to say to you on uh, Monday or Tuesday, they're going to say, oh, oh, I'm sorry, we did another blood test, and um, the first blood test was an error. No, there was no uh, controlled substances in your system, and uh, we're very sorry, and, uh, you know, we're sorry that we scared you, and we're sorry that uh, we made you all nervous. I said, they're probably going to drop this thing so fast, then they're never, it's never going to make it into a court. Well, congratulations in advance. Well, I'm sure that's exactly, like I said, I haven't heard nothing from them, and I'm way too busy just to call up people all the time. You got to make but, sure uh, and let us know what happens, and uh, if you put up the the uh, the audio, we'll listen to it. Yeah, the audio is a lot of fun here because they were actually in the hospital room talking to me. You know, it was, it was fantastic. I mean, this is ridiculous that women are calling me up the minute that the baby is taken. They, I know you've already said waiting. it twice. They're, they're, yeah, they're not <laughs> calling up attorneys. They're not. You know, they're just saying, "Hey, get this guy called on the phone." <laughs> That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it's ridiculous, but hopefully everything worked out fine. And I'll, yeah, I'll call the lady up. Yeah, get her on, and let's do it on Saturday. Yeah. All, All right, right. Thanks, me, Carl. I, I'm busy working, but like I said, not time to do the shows. But I'm busy doing that stuff, though. So. Well, thank you for participating. I appreciate it, and thank you for your time. Also, your calls, Carl's calls on Saturday. You have to check for the time. That's one two seven. 469 is the uh, call ID, and uh, hopefully he'll have a call this Saturday with that woman, and we can hear the whole thing from start to finish. Okay, we've got one more person with their hand up. It's Donaldson again. Go ahead, Donaldson. Hey, how you guys doing? Thanks for bringing me back on. I got uh, three questions, and um, hopefully they'll be brief. The last question is by far the most interesting. This first one is actually in reference to what Carl just said, and I was wondering what the Steve thought about it, about man. Carl said man cannot be in state court, and I disagree because okay, as, an actor, said, but what's as, as an actor, he can be, and I want to know what Steve thinks about that as an actor. And I got two other questions after that. So. Okay. Um, I don't really think about it. I just do my thing, follow the papers, put it down on paper the way it has to be done, and go with it. That's all. I don't make it complicated. I like it. Okay. I don't, okay. I don't put, put any background under the table type of stuff. There's no need to do it that way, especially if you've got the goods, right? Okay. And so you're talking about you're, you're going with the judiciary process, the judicial process, basically. I'm going with the law that the founding fathers gave us. That's what I work uh-huh. with. Right. Okay. And my my third my third question is about and thank you by the way. Uh but this is a property tax question. See, I have a friend who had bought a property in New York for $175,000 and uh apparently they came with $117,000 in property taxes. And the, what the city has done was basically create a a tax certificate. Okay. Um, well, the, com- the comptroller of the city of Watertown in New York created a tax certificate, and then basically, I think the county, the city in 
uh, Watertown actually bought that um, certificate, and now they want to auction that certificate off. My friend is the, uh, you know, he bought the property. He paid the green paper currency to the other owner. My question is to you, what would you do in that situation where you have the city obviously exercising some sort of eminent domain, you know, over the over the property because they've been doing maintenance or whatever, you know, by putting up a fence and stuff like that. Um, actually, that's trespass. Okay, but back to the question. What would you do in a situation uh, regarding their, their offering up the uh, tax certificate for, for at auction? I'm trying to sell the property, actually. Under, go ahead. Well, they usually use tax deeds to sell property. They don't use tax certificates to sell property. Uh, well, clear it up for me because I'm trying to get some, yeah. Okay, yeah. First comes the tax certificates, and I think here in Florida it's like two years. They could do an application. Whoever has the certificates can do an application for tax deed, and then they'll create a tax deed and all the tax deeds sell. So what would you do in that situation if it was you? I to the uh, I guess whoever's levying the tax. Usually the counties do it, but I guess maybe your city does it there. I don't know. Find out who's levying the tax and go sue them for theft. Yeah, find the property and all the things they're doing, creating the false securities, and then they're creating uh, uh, fictitious titles. They don't own the property, and they have to own the property. And all the case law I've read on any of that stuff makes it clear. They have to bring you to a tax foreclosure process. That was something in my research I was doing here when I said earlier I was looking for, you know, cases where the tax collector and jail homeowner, I couldn't find any. They just sit there and create a tax deed, and in most cases the homeowner, I guess, just uh, abandons the property, and then the tax deed he comes along has to break into the house to get into it because he got it with no keys, which should be a big clue there, you know. Um, the whole thing isn't work. It's not the way it works, man. They're just getting away with this because, once again, the people just don't get it, you know. Um, that's really where our problem is. I find more than anything else is just the lack of uh, understanding of how your government works on paper. We have a wonderful system of law here, like I said. I mean, the government can be a great thing if we just force our public servants to do their job, and there, we have wonderful ways to do that. The laws, anytime you like Title 18, it's all enough to talk about public service. You're fading, honey. You're fading in and out. Sorry. I can't hear you. I hear a bunch of background noise going on, too, there. So. Well, I don't know that what is. that is. I, I muted everybody else out. Try it again. Okay. Oh, that's what I was going to say now. It was just the fact that we have a wonderful system of government on paper. There's nobody, it's just not working that way. That's really the main thing I'm finding here. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe you need a lot of people to do this. If just 10, per, 10 people in every county was suing the municipal corporations for what this crap that they do, after a short time, they would just stop. They start using their ways. Tell them to quit doing what they're doing. Take these homes off the tax rolls. We're getting sued too bad for this, you know. Yeah. Same thing with coding for you know? live. Try to talk a little slower. Maybe that'll help. Okay. Well, I can barely hear you. Can't hear you. I'm not talking. Oh, okay. Well, I heard some sounds, but I just couldn't tell what you were saying. What? I hear all kinds of sounds. There's a oh. bunch of background racket going on up here. Oh, gosh. Out, out somebody here, so. 
Well, we've gone over two hours. So actually, we're uh, 14, almost 15 minutes over the two hours. What do you say? Shall we call it a night? I hope it was informative. That's like I said. I never. One reason why I always well, kind of balk. Real good now. I always balk whenever you would ask me to do this. It's like, who the hell am I? You know, I mean, I can just tell you what I know, and that's all I got. You know, that's so. it. That's how we learn, though. We learn from others' experiences. You know, be it good or bad, we still learn from it. You know, it's not always winning, but uh, so far, you've it, been a winner, so it's yeah, good to follow that. Because I just managed, I figured out how to lay the issues out in accordance with the way that the law can see it. Um, and even if you get jerked around in the lower court, you just set it up for appeal. And you have all kinds of neat things you can do, like interlocutory appeals, uh, inter, uh, equitory judgments. You can do these during the case to really force the lower court to follow the processes and just make a living, just give them a hard time. Try to watch my, do what? Try to watch my language here. When I get excited, sometimes I start ripping out the old bull feces words, you know. And, <laughs> Well, it's okay, you know, once in a while. Part of the PG thing happening here on this, you know, so. <laughs> what am uh, I yeah. Well, we have young people listening also, so. But a few shits here and there doesn't matter. It's not bad. You know, <laughs> I don't know to people about it, you know, they're having issues with it, you know, and I got tons of data, you know, uh, things with case laws and stuff that pretty much lay out the process of how it has to work to where you can prove that these people, as far as your home is concerned, your 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 home, your property that you own is a matter of right. There's no way they can tax it because you own it, and that's what they're doing. That's their policy. They're thinking they can just tax it because, well, you're on the record as the owner. That's not how the tax code reads at all. That's what they be doing. That's the tax code and study it well and uh, and the court processes and how to front paper. Once again, there's tons of great manuals on this. You don't have to really listen to anybody else tell you how to do it. And the legal man, they're really they really well laid out about exactly how you want to set up your uh, your lawsuit and how you want to explain the issues and how to use the law to back your points. Just, in other words, you're basically trying to learn to be a lawyer in a way that the real lawyers would be if they were learning it right to. The lawyers aren't being taught constitutional law. And that's what I like about trades and the jurisdiction or anything. He makes it clear that he wasn't taught a lot of these procedures, that he just figured out on his own from just reading the case law, reading the court rules, and figuring out how to get the court system to do what they need to do. That's and it. So I that's a lot from between him and other people, men, I've had over the years. What's the right direction of getting caught? Up you're, you know, you're that. talking so fast, I think it's that's what's cutting you out. I'm not sure. A I second, a minute ago, you came on, and there was it was really loud and clear. I don't know what you did. It's faster than a speeding bullet. <laughs> That's not the internet, I guess, huh? It could be. I don't know what it is. It's just driving me crazy, you know, because it's like you're cutting out and I can't understand what you're saying. <sighs> well, it'll be interesting to hear the recording and see how well it's even had the same problem there. So. Yeah, I hope so. You sound real good right now, though. You sound real good right now. <laughs> Standing right here in the middle of the living room, so I guess I'll stay here for now. Yeah, that's the best place, I guess. But we're done anyway. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to put up. I'm going to put your name on my guest speakers page, and I'm going to link it to the document you sent you sent me. So that was a 16-page document. It was a 28-page. That's 28 what I call that day thing. Yeah. Okay, I'll put it up there so people can access it. Did you want to give out your email or no, or your Skype or what? Well, um, the email is probably a good place to start, I guess. And if we need to really chit-chat and Skype's convenient, then we can hook up there. So uh, the N-E-S-A-E-L-P, you know, the 
Did you pop that up on the uh, on the chat or anything? Uh, yes, I did. N a s a e l p at a t t dot net. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, that seems if you're interested in that disc, which I think if you're really going to try to learn to do this stuff, you've got to have access to the law, really. And uh, it's a great little disc, and uh, everyone that ever has ever gotten it always said it was the best couple hundred bucks they ever spent. Because actually, if you wanted to buy this stuff, you probably spend fifteen grand. You know, this American jurisprudence, the books is almost say six, seven thousand dollars. You know, yeah, have access to that at your computer. Even if the power goes off, you can still read the law. You know, and that's kind of I think where everybody probably ought to be, right? Right. Okay, well, good. Thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate your time and sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, We've enjoyed it, and I'm sure this call is going to be downloaded a million more times. And uh, for those of you that didn't get it the first time, you can listen to the recording and and listen again and again and again. You make it really simple, though, Steve. It's not really, you know, rocket science. <laughs> it is simple. It's got to be simple. Work for it to be done to the people, for the people, by the people. It's got to be done in a way that it makes sense to the people, right? Right. So that's all you've got to deal with. Keep it simple. Don't get it too complicated. I mean, there's no doubt the tax process because you, because this lack of your uh, your understanding of it. But once you get to understanding, it starts making sense. Just like, like I say, playing a musical instrument or, or flying an airplane or something you've never done before. It just seems like impossible when you first start looking at it. But as you go through the training, go through the courses or whatever, it starts getting easier. You get in the flight simulators kind of. In other words, do some traffic court cases. Don't go run to federal court with your first thing, you know. Start okay. simple. And work your way up and get a little experience of how to deal with the motions, how to deal with the other side and the stupid things they may do. Be familiar with bar grievances and canons complaints. All these neat things that do give you a lot of power as far as controlling these people to get them to do what you need them to do. And it can be done. It can be done. And you've done it more than once, right? Um, well, offensively, about three times, but I got probably 50 defenses where you got friends that got arrested for some stupid crap, and so we went through the process and got their cases dismissed and things like that. So. Wow. Um, traffic stuff, kind of not too bad with some of that. Um, you know, so that's kind of where I got my feet wet in small claims court stuff where the city comes and mows grass and we go through them and for violations of the charter. Go run through their charters for noncompliance and they pay you the five grand to shut you up and make you go away. So wow. It can be a lot of fun, man, and profitable. Yeah, I'll say. I like it. It is. It's a great way to go because they'll just pay you off. Cause, and they come, it comes out of their insurance. They have basically a Lloyd's of London. Anytime you look at your county risk management stuff, you can find their insurance policy. they got billion dollars, $700 million type of insurance policy for just stuff like this. Hmm. And that's what gets them going. When they start getting sued and the insurance companies are paying out the butt, that's when they're going to tell them to stop it or they ain't going to insure them no more. And that's when code enforcement stays out of your neighborhood then. That's when the property appraiser tends to just leave you alone at least. So they're going to start there. And they'll see how it works, you know. And that's, they have to play, pay a claim out on you. They usually, that's it. That's the end of your job, I think. Uh, if you're yeah. a cop or, or a city official or whatever. Someone makes a claim and, and they have to pay out. No, that's that's they Nobody's going to insure you anymore. Okay, yeah, that's in a sense. But I found when they do it, that's what they're really doing. When they paid off the claim in this John's house, it was to stop the property appraiser and tax collector and the sheriff and all these people from going to prison, okay? That's how they did it. But they, they're still there. They never got moved. Except uh, the property appraiser lost the election there that he came up next. He was lost. I think they got rid of him because, you know, they just got caught up with too much stuff, you know. But money was paid out? Yeah. They had to. They armed robbed a man's house using a bunch of phony paper with a process that could never, ever apply to that property. And they armed robbed and kidnapped him and crippled him, you know. So it was a great case to go after them for this. They had no business at his house at all with a bunch of crap paperwork, and then getting a writ of possession in the back court of no record. 
when that even violates the Florida law. It makes it clear in Florida law that writ of possession can only be issued by a court that granted the final decree. There was no final decree. Hmm. He bought a tax deed and go into the court with a writ of possession motion. That's impossible. And a judge signs it. They got a tax deed in their hand. And even the tax deed office in the uh, in the tax they got a sign on there saying that they don't guarantee marketable titles to tax deeds. So it shows the tax deed's got no power. But you got a judge signing a writ of possession because some hillbillies waving one around, you know, and then they come with guns and arm rob this man's house and kill his pets, loot his everything he owned, and then go charge him and arrest him for trespassing because he didn't own the property of the new owners, you know, kind of crap, you know, which is just nothing but a big fat fraud abuse process to technically arm rob property. So there's no way you're going to lose that in federal court. They can't defend that at all. I'd love to see that. I mean, in person. No, one day. What? One day you may. I hope so. I love to watch success happen, you know. I love to see people succeed over uh, the tyranny of government. It happens. Um, I see lawyers here sue the cops all the time for the stupid stuff they do here. I, that's what I did. I just go and copy their cases, just go down there and get their complaints and look at how they wrote it up and just sort of try to copy their flavor. I like to think I have a lot more, you know, balls to mine than what an attorney will do. But uh, Now, that's all I did, just copy what the other side does, but just put the real law, laid out the real procedures, the way they're supposed to be implemented, and all the case, all that backs it, and then showed how what they did violated all these criminal statutes in the Fed and the state and violated rights, you know. They did this. That's what you do for that type of claim. Very good. Well, I hope you'll come on again sometime in the future and update us on what you're doing and more successes. It's hard to get them, man. Like, I probably know 50, 60 people who've had their cars, boats, and houses stolen. I've only found four people that have enough brain matter to sit down, read whatever, the tax codes or the you know criminal code stuff, and get it together enough to where we could sit down, write a complaint, and go to court with them. I can't go in there with someone completely ignorant to the process that doesn't understand the paperwork. So there's no sense in even bother writing a suit if the victim can't understand his rights and understand the process of how the government has to operate to where he can litigate it himself in court if you have to go there. Because that's what scares them, is the fact that they're going to sit in front of a jury, show all these things that, that they're doing wrong, and they can't defend it. That's really the whole process. You're going to sit there in front of a jury of a whole bunch of homeless people that live under bridges and show them what a taxpayer is defined as, show them what an avalorum tax is, show them how the exemption process works, making it clear that if you were a taxpayer, all this stuff you used to live with would be exempt, and then here you have the non-taxpayer who's got all this neat household goods and personal effects stuff that's on the tax roll, right? right? How does that happen? And they have to sit there and explain to the jury, based in law, statutes, constitution, how they can do it, and guess what? It ain't there because I've been looking for it for 10 years, and I can't find it. And in the suits we've done on them, they'd have put it on the table if they had it. Right. That's right there that you're on the right money. And here's right. the main thing. When I was messing with my property appraiser 10 years ago, when I talked to him on the phone, he told me that if I didn't come down there and talk to him, he'd have to give my request to his lawyers. That's what's caught the red flag for me. That's the only reason why I went down there and talked to him. Why would this elected official have to give my public records request to his lawyers? Here's this man who's elected to do this tax process, and he can't explain to me what statutes he's using to levy this tax on this particular property. That told me there something was wrong. But, you know, there has to be, you know, why would he have to give this stuff to his lawyers? A simple public records request asking for the statutes they're using to levy a house on this particular property at mm-hmm. one, two, three, four, you know, five hard life drive here, you know. And, uh, and he takes an answer to the stuff. And where's the assessment for it under the statute that says it has to be this and have this information on it? They didn't have one of those either. Mm. So that's kind of a big red flag, don't you think? Yeah. Yeah. People don't think to look, I guess. Uh, you know, 
it's 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 like a new world, you know, to look this stuff up. We thought, you know, we were going to be taken care of. I guess not me, but those in general think that the government has their best interest at heart and will take care of them. Little do they know, they're getting screwed and duped every minute, every second of the day. Like I said earlier, it's the lower level is where they're just as dumb as the average guy. They just got a job down there working in government because they couldn't do nothing else. Yeah. I mean, so they're ignorant to it. They don't understand how the process works. They're not being taught when they got that job to read the statutes on the property issues and the tax collecting issues and the board mm-hmm. administration. They're not taught that stuff. Yeah. Who are we? So why would you think they understand it then? Just because they work there, and I can, I can. Well, those that have worked there a long time, I think, have a, a, a better understanding of it than. Uh, you're giving them credit for. Well, maybe, maybe. But like I said, you give them the benefit of the doubt and just go after the fact that they're not being trained properly, and that's where the Florida Department of Revenue comes into play. That's why they were a defendant, because they were failed to oversee these property appraisers and tax collectors, and that got them in it. Then you get the infighting thing going. That's usually when they go to the early settlement table. They know the lawyers know they can't go to court with all these guys all mad at each other because they're all pointing fingers at each other for how this process happens. Wow. Wow. Well been a lot uh, of information. Well, I, I think it was a good call, though, you know? I, I hope people can kind of wrap their brain around it. It's just your perception, man. Remember, these are our laws. They ain't theirs. And holding their feet to the fire. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. And being able to learn how your government works the same way you learn how to do most anything else, you know? And unfortunately, we need to know it, especially at this time and age. The reason why it's gotten this way, I believe, is because the people are not taught it. They're completely alienated from the whole understanding of what government is in this country and how it works. It's there to protect your property from anyone coming with guns and armed robbing it. But instead, mm-hmm. most of the time your home gets armed robbed, it's going to be by a bunch of guys with badges and guns doing it, you know? Mm-hmm. That's true. That's, that's, that's what's happening. It's not working for the people. It's not working for the people because I don't think the people understand how it's supposed to work mm-hmm. and then how to use court systems, which is why the founding fathers gave us this court system was to make sure we could protect our rights and that states didn't abuse the processes and abuse rights. And I see very few people who seem to really know how to frame the issues and put them before the court to get it to work. So, Well, it's not something you're going to get overnight. That's for damn sure. You know, you have to study and, and really look into it. it there's got to be a fire lit under you. It's, it, usually people start doing the research when they get attacked and when exactly. it hits them personally, you know. And that's the worst time to learn it. It's like yeah. being in a plane and the pilot dies and now you've got to land it, you know, I mean, it's like, it's much better if you learn it before you get there, you know, but yeah, I get a lot of people to call me and say, man, I'm going to sell my property in three weeks, what can I do? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> Where were you two weeks ago? Why? <laughs> you weren't paying taxes and you didn't read none of the tax code, you didn't do nothing, you wait till it gets to this catastrophic point, now you're looking for help? So I'm like, man. But, but, I, I love my country, I'm just not real thrilled with my people, you know? Yeah. I know. It's it's discouraging sometimes to look, think, well, on our calls, you know, everybody's so sophisticated. I, I say that all the time. I say we have a sophisticated group because everybody's here learning stuff. But then you look out there at the masses, at the malls or the banks or the supermarket, whatever, post office, you see all these people and they're just so dumb, you know. It's not, I, I feel... I feel bad for them, and you want to teach everybody that you come into contact with, and you can't do it. It's just, uh, I don't know. It's going to be a difficult uh, transition, I think, when the majority of the people, you know, they're just 
the majority is not going to wake up. They're going to keep. They're going to get on the rail cars, and we're going to say we're going to move out of their way and let them go. I don't think we need a majority of the people, man. Just like look at the Revolutionary War. They say there's probably about nine million people in the colonies there at that time. Only about two, three hundred, four hundred thousand of them were actually out shooting at the British. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, I, you don't really need a big populace. If just ten percent of the people learn how to how the system works, learn how to put the how to get the court systems to work, and started going after the municipalities for these things that they do, I think you can get this to fix pretty quick. Or not, you know, a couple of years. Like I say, it didn't get broke overnight. You're not going to fix it overnight. But I think you could get it under control pretty quick if the people kind of gathered up their wits and sat down and took the time to really do the study and understanding and don't look for the silver bullet overnight trick stuff and just really get it laid out. You can beat these people very easily. I think so. I believe you. I, everything you say makes sense, and, and I can see it. It's it's all laid out. Like you said, they wrote it, you know, they made it for our use against them. And we're not, we just have to hold them to it. And the people aren't using it. That's really what I see the most. And if they do, they do it a very amateuristic, you know, because they, 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 you know, you just, like I say, saying something you just pick up and do overnight as well, you know, some guy said something. So I don't know. Uh, I like the Mark Stevens approach, man, that, you know, uh, what he make, what's the point he makes it? Uh, freedom means 100% control over your life, your property, and 0% control over anybody else's. Mm-hmm. That's why I don't really on the kick to get everyone else to read what I read, read what I do. It's like you're trying to get musicians, a jazz bass player, to come and play Led Zeppelin songs with me. He just don't care to do that. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. So for me, trying to get someone that's all caught up in their way of doing things and trying to get them to change is like, why bother? You know, you can do whatever you want, you know. If it works, good. Okay, well, I think we should call it a night. What do you think? Well, if you sign up, I'll stop talking. <laughs> Well, we've gone two and a half hours. I think that's about, uh, I think that's enough. Don't you? Yes, our time is up. <laughs> our, my treasure, our time is up. It's past our half-hour session. i got to call in my next group now. It's been a good session. <laughs> I'm glad you liked it. I hope so. Like I said, that's why I was a little nervous, too. I mean, what the hell does anyone want to hear me talk about, you know? Oh, no, you did good. I mean, you got a lot of information in this call. It's gonna, it's a good one. It'll be in the archives in about 20 minutes after I hang up. Wow. That makes me somebody special, huh? Yes, it does. Wow. <laughs> no, you were special way before this call. Like Steve Martin. Now I'm somebody. <laughs> I got my name tattooed on her butt. More people see that than the phone book, huh? I don't know about that. You don't remember the jerk, Steve Martin? Oh, never mind. Yeah, the movie, I don't remember it that well, but uh, I'm going to close out the call, my dear. You have a good night. Have a great weekend, everybody. Have a good weekend. Take care of each other. I love you, and uh, we're going to call it a night. Thanks, Steve, again. Night, everybody. Everybody, good night. Thank you. Next time.